This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Well, I hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to another week and a Monday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. Going to be a good one. Got a big win to talk about from the Winnipeg Jets on the weekend. We'll look ahead to tomorrow where the team finishes this quick three-game road trip in St. Louis. And, of course, the stage is set for next Saturday, 5.30 IG Field. It will be the British Columbia Lions coming to Winnipeg to take on the Bombers to see who will represent the West Division in the Grey Cup in Hamilton. It's going to be a huge week on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And, uh, man, that Saturday is going to be incredible. Jets, Dallas, 2 p.m. downtown. Bombers, Lions, 5.30 at IG Field. All roads lead to the peg for a big Saturday of sports and, of course, a huge game when it comes to uh, the Canadian Football League and the amazing season that the Bombers have had. Um, We're going to have a real fun show today. Uh, We will... Hear from uh, Coach Arneal, Mason Appleton, Brendan Dillon on uh, the uh, big game on the weekend. Um, and we're going to have John Shannon come on. John, of course, you know, a longtime producer of uh, Hockey Night in Canada, a panelist on HNIC and Rogers Sportsnet, and of course, a uh, very frequent contributor to Winnipeg Jets Hockey on 680 CJOB. Really looking forward to having John jump on with us, talk a little Jets as well as some of the big stories going around the National Hockey League as we get into the month of November. Um, And then Jeff Hamilton's going to jump on for his Monday visit. Um, We'll get his thoughts on the Jets for sure, but kind of dive in a little bit more to this matchup between Winnipeg and BC as the Bombers are uh, practicing all week, getting ready to host the team uh, at 5.30 on Saturday, as I just mentioned. Um, Welcome to everybody in chat. Shout out to everyone listening on the podcast. And by the way, folks, if you haven't listened or viewed it already, a new edition of Jets Weekly dropped this morning here on Winnipeg Sports Talk with Connor Harabchak. Make sure to check that out. Connor does a great job of kind of recapping the week and giving a look ahead to the week for the Winnipeg Jets, which is a huge one, as we kind of talked about on Friday. All games head-to-head inside the Central Division. St. Louis Tuesday. Nashville Thursday here in Winnipeg and that Saturday matinee before the Bombers and Lions against the Dallas Stars. Um, so check that out on the YouTube channel if you haven't already after you check out Winnipeg Sports Talk today. And um, if you're a podcast listener, it'll be there for you. Make sure to uh, give it a listen. All right, just uh, before we bring in Michael Remus, big thanks to the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen each and every day. Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada. Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, F Apparel, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, the Winnipeg Jets, Aquatech, Modern Man. And of course, we will get to a why not question of the day for Not Autocorp over at Waverly and McGilvery. All right, let's get this going. Michael Remus, how was your weekend? Yeah, great weekend. Uh, I don't know, NFL yesterday, a little Jets game in the afternoon. I got on the ice myself, so uh, happy to be back on a Monday. And this is a busy time, Hus, with the Jets returning for a homestand and also uh, the CFL West final finally set here. So feeling good. Um, how, how are you feeling physically? You mentioned that you were on the ice. Um, <laughs> did also see you take a couple bumps in a wrestling ring on Saturday night. Uh, but any uh, any extra wear and tear after uh, 
Your time in the squared circle? Yeah, I'll throw the picture. Show it to my friend uh, Benji uh, Rothman, a local comedian here in Winnipeg, had his uh, wrestling uh, wedding social, and here's a picture you took of me <laughs> in the ring. This dream is a dream come true, Huss. I've never done that before. Go up on the ropes like that. Though. <laughs> but the ring, like you're at a social, and the dance floor is a ring. A wrestling ring, and of course had to go in and take a couple bumps. Um, not gonna lie, I was a bit sore yesterday. <laughs> not as sore as uh, one of my friends who I was tussling with, who like was wearing improper footwear and uh, severely rolled his ankle. So uh, <laughs> gotta be gotta be careful. Gotta be careful. But I'm uh, feeling good. You tweeted out the picture. Uh, we're posting it for all the the podcast listeners. But a little sore, huh? Yeah, yeah. If you're uh, if you're listening on the podcast, you can just go to my uh, my Twitter feed from Saturday night, and you'll see the you'll see this picture. And I mean, as funny as that picture is, nothing was more ridiculous. At one point, I was talking to a couple guys. I look into the ring, and Remus is there talking to someone, and then just out of the blue, just basically does the jump onto his back, <laughs> just kind of yeah. feeling the ring. You know, <laughs> that's what they teach you in wrestling like. school. You got to know how to fall, and. Uh, you know, he tried uh, going up against the ropes and, like, running across the ring. A lot, lot harder than it looks. Lot, I got a thing or two to learn here. I will say this. It was a great crowd. Got to see Shauna Soar and obviously Benj and the whole thing. It was probably the most bizarre social that I've ever been to, though. Like, if it actually was a social. <laughs> like, you get there. They had a couple matches early on. Yeah. And then they had the band playing. Yeah. And the entire ring was full of people dancing, tons of people in wrestling costumes. Yes. So it, it was one of the, it, it was a scene, folks. It was a scene. <laughs> However, I have to mention, by far the most bizarre thing, and I've never seen this before in my life, the bar closed before 11. Yeah. Was there like a tight timeline that they have to get everybody out because there was like a show later on at the West End Cultural Center not, at like midnight or something? I heard they had a hard out at midnight, so it was shutting down <laughs> at 11. That's all we know. Everyone has kids. Everyone has kids. They just don't have the uh, they don't have the, the gas in the tank that they uh, they did before, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, I I was happy that it ended early when went home and so... <laughs> Uh, Anyways, was that time. was a good time, and seeing you, I'm just so glad that I was there, able to snap that photo at the right time. Um, it got a lot of love on uh, on social media. All right, um, listen, we're going to spend a lot of time getting into the Jets, and we will do so with uh, uh, with John Shannon coming up right away. Um, but we, uh, as we mentioned uh, right off the top, Remo, we now know who the Bombers' opponent is going to be on Saturday for the West Final. The British Columbia Lions, um, <laughs> VA looked ready to go for playoffs. That was a very, very impressive performance by BC. Uh, and it sets up a matchup that I think we've all thought was coming for the better part of the last three months. Winnipeg and BC to see who the beasts of the West are and who will be representing the Western Division in Hamilton. Uh, this game, this entire week is going to be fun getting ready for it. Um, but this is the matchup I think we deserve to get. And, um, you know, the Bombers will be ready, but BC certainly looked like they're ready with the way they performed against Calgary. Yeah, and we've kind of been waiting for this forever. Like, since, uh, I mean, that's why that game, you know, in BC a couple of weeks ago was so huge because the winner would get the home uh, field advantage. And we know it's big for the Bombers. Relish playing in this uh, weather. We'll, I guess we'll be watching the weather all week here. But a bit nice win for BC. You know, it's funny. I'm watching the, the, what, their game against Calgary. 
and they show the records to start, and they're like, yeah, BC, what are they, like 10 and 5, and Calgary uh, 6 and 12? And I'm like, what league is this where a team is 6 and 12 and in the playoffs? But credit, you know, Calgary gave them a run before. Sorry, BC was 12 and 6, and uh, Calgary 6 and 12. And good for BC. I mean, they're a good team. Vernon Adams, when he's on, uh, he's among the best, but you can definitely force him into making mistakes. And uh, I'm looking forward to this rematch. The Bombers have, you know, went 2 and 1. They had uh, with the one that they lost, but really uh, smoked them. I put the 50. I mean, Vernon Adams wasn't in uh, for that uh, second one. But, uh, I mean, the third one was the game of the season. Maybe the game of, like, the last five to ten seasons. And how are they going to follow this mm-hmm. up? Well, I mean, they're going to follow it up with a, a winner-take-all. I mean, it's almost like, um, you know, you, you you have those incredible matchups that was the soft. That third game, mm-hmm. the key was hosting this game and not having to play this week and the bombers earned that um but that's all in the rear view now and i mean you got the bc lions coming in feeling i would imagine pretty darn good about themselves and knowing what their challenge is and that is to um you know to come into winnipeg and upset the bombers where they've been so dominant for so long they do realize that it can be done they did it earlier in this season but as we've said you know for the last number of months winning in uh, in Winnipeg and IG Field on the road in November, a little bit different than doing it in early July, um, which is what happened early on. As far as the forecast goes for the game, I see some people talking about it right now. And again, this is all subject to change. Um, but the 14-day forecast, let's just fire up the Weather Network app here, is pretty much the same thing every day, like a high of zero or one. Right now it says okay, right now it says Saturday's high is zero, low of minus four. My big concern is what the wind is going to be like, because as we all know, that can be the real game changer. Um, and even with this high of zero, let's also remember that this game is going to start at 530. Uh, with the daylight savings and everything, I believe it'll be dark already by then. So uh, I don't think that we're going to be up around the daily high when things kick off, and uh, I'm sure the Bombers are quite fine with that. Yeah, I mean, well, whatever they, whatever the temperature is, you know Mike O'Shea is going to say it's perfect uh, football yeah. weather, <laughs> and they are not cold at all. I mean, a couple storylines to watch uh, for the Bombers has, you know, Dalton Schoen, he's been out with an injury. I'm, I don't know if we should be expecting him, him to play, and Rashid Bailey left their last game, and I have to see what the updates are. We'll hear more about, about that. I'm sure, but those are probably the big things. But you know, we've been kind of waiting for what Janarian Grant he he returned from injury, but um, yeah, I mean this is uh, this is what we got with the Bombers. So we'll we'll be tuned into the practice updates all week. Yeah, uh, we'll uh, get to the bottom of that coming up with Jeff Hamilton a little bit later on today. Um, as I say, you know, we'll save some of our Jets audio in a conversation coming on uh, Arizona win for uh, after John Shannon joins us. Um, and we'll talk some NFL. Wild, wild day in the National Football League yesterday. Started early with the Chiefs and Dolphins over in Frankfurt. Ended late in the natty with um, that big Bengals win over the Bills. So we will talk all about that. Um, but Remo, before we just to sort of tee up our conversation on the Jets with John Shannon, um, a very interesting game in Arizona on Saturday. And once again... Um, the Jets now seven straight against the Coyotes. Um, but they did it in a very weird way. Um, they gave up an early goal. I believe they only had three shots in the first period. 
And it looked like it got even worse. Well, it did get worse in the second period when Mark Shifley served up probably the free pizza of the year. Um, <laughs> sort of fanned on a pass that was destined to go uh, a lot further than it ended up, hitting a coyote right in front of the net and depositing it behind Connor Hellebuck. But we always talk uh, about um, the words pushback from Rick Bonus. Once again, it was the Adam Lowry line leading that pushback, an absolutely beautiful four-way passing play with Lowry, Appleton, Morrissey, and Nito Niederreiter being involved. And that first goal by Niederreiter, I think, really got the Jets going. Brandon Dillon popped one in, and then Niederreiter and Dillon did it again. <laughs> and then at one point, the fifth goal that went in, no one was sure whether it was Dillon, whether it was Lowry, or whether it was Nito Niederreiter. It ended up being the Swiss Superman, and not Nino and Brendan Dillon combined for five goals between them. Dillon with two goals and an assist. And uh, there was no surprise who was getting the jackets after that big win for the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday. Yeah, that was a big one. You know, a bit of a disappointing uh, performance result there in Vegas. But I think the Jets have kind of, their five-on-five game has been consistent all year. And we talked a lot about special teams last week. Well, the special teams battle was even at 1-1. And yeah, down 0-2 with Mark Shafley on the ice for two goals against. Part of the back check on that uh, odd man rush for the first one. As you said, the freest of free pizzas for the second one. Yeah, tried to put a bit more on that one to get the pass through the middle to Kyle Connor and, um, you know, just whiffed on it. Uh, who is it? O'Brien uh, put that one in and, you know, like, oh no, what's going on here? And, but, you know, the credit to them for battling and this, you know, third, we're going to call it the third line test, but you could argue there maybe been the Jets' uh, top line of Nita Ryder, Appleton, and Lowry uh, went to work. Uh, Nita Ryder using his big body in front on one on the first one, uh, on the second one as well. Ehlers on the power play with a nice te- with a nice uh, tip, and Brandon Dillon, uh, who know what kind of cannon he was. He had a huss on that first one. I was like, what? What the heck's Brandon Dillon doing in the high slot there? What doing a pa- in the slot? Yeah, exactly. What a, what a pass from Nemestikov. I guess he found a hole, and Nemestikov found him, and then with an absolute rocket there for the second one and the and then you know Nino's third one Dylan just put it on goal you know bounced bounced around and Nino tapped in I was listening to Kenny and Rennie and Ken's like Ken was like what's the combined distance on those Nino goals like <laughs> under five feet but I mean he's the kind of guy that the team needed I mean it was, we talked about what a great uh, addition it was and uh that line has been fantastic you know I'll go on here Mike Kelly yeah, out pull, up, pull up that chart from Mike Kelly. I mean, which tells you all you need to know about just how dominant Adam Lowry's line has been so far this season. Here, Lowry at five on five, eight goals for, uh, 19, eight goals for, one against, 19 cycle chances for, three against, expected goals, 76.9% of the expected goals to 23%. So they are significantly outpossessing out playing, out cycling uh, their opponents, and you saw that uh, in full effect on Saturday. And it's amazing as you look at the Jets' scoring leaders <laughs> right now. And I mean, you have the usual Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor. I mean, that's not a surprise that they're up there. But nine with nine points here, as I pull it up, I know Mason Appleton, uh, Nino is in there, Adam Lowry just before. Cole Perfetti, here we go. Kyle Connor, nine. Nino, nine. 
Uh, you know, Nino got off to the slow start of series with five goals, one off the team lead. Mark Shafley with nine. Oh, there's Mason Appleton. He's got nine points, three goals, six assists. He's Appleton, off. Appleton's been yeah. unreal this season. And uh, I, I mean, and, and listen, we've talked a lot about the depth of this club. Yeah. Um, look no further than the scoring. I mean, four, sorry, seven players within one point of the scoring lead. Um, and listen, would you like a little bit more to Shifley and Connor lately? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but holy smokes, is the Lowry line doing well? And uh, and I think, you know, Cole Perfetti and Nikolai Ehlers continues to sort of get in his groove a little bit more. But I, I think it's it, it's been evidently clear, and I'm looking forward to hearing what John Shannon has to say about just how good that Lowry line has been. And I believe it was Money Pock or one of the fancy stats sites, you know, we're comparing lines for the year. And right now, the Lowry line, I believe, is fourth in the National Hockey League over the course of this season. And um, if that can continue, that is a very, very good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. As I mentioned, really looking forward to having John Shannon jump on with us. Um, just before we do that, shout out to our Movember team. The stashes are coming in. We'll get a little update from some of the fellas later on this week as we uh, continue to raise money and awareness for men's health as part of the uh, the Movember movement, along with our friends at Modern Man Barbershop. If you are growing a mo, um, if you snap a picture of it in front of one of the Modern Mans and uh, t- and throw it on Instagram and tag them, you'll be entered to win some great prizes from our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. And whether it's for the initial shave or to take it off at the end, you know, Modern Man is uh, conveniently located eight locations in Winnipeg, newest locations on Pemina Highway and Plessy Road. And they've got haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Um, you can book your look via modernmanbarber.com and make an appointment. And if you look right there, just hit that promo code if you do want to make a donation to the cause. Um, we've had a great start so far, but certainly um, can uh, can handle more as we try and um, you know hit our goal of two thousand dollars for the uh, for the the, the movement. Um, and a big shout out to all of our team that continues to grow those stashes. Um, listen, we know it's not pool weather right now. We're going to be talking about outdoorsy stuff though with that big football game on the weekend. Um, but I know we're not, you know, if you're looking to take the plunge next year, you know Aquatech are the pool experts. What you might not know is that a whole home renovation start with Aquatech, with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you're ready to enhance your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, visit aqua-tech.ca to learn more about their whole home renovations, including financing options and with the cold weather here and it getting a lot colder around the corner make sure you are prepared for winter and that is going to start with a stop off over at manitoba battery Uh, of course manitoba battery can test your battery to make sure that you're set up for the winter and if you need one you'll be getting the best prices in town shopping local and beating the pants off the big box stores and of course the winter ready sale is on right now $10 off all automotive batteries on their already incredibly low prices. And hey, the best thing about Manitoba Battery is that uh, they'll deliver it to you as well for free with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that easy. Order and find out more at manitobabattery.com. Give them a call at 783-8787 if you'd like to talk to someone. Donnie and his staff would love to help you out. And again, if you want to pop in for a test or see them in person, Manitoba Batteries at 10 26 logan avenue and hey um that was the uh, the big release 
of the uh, premium spirits at Manitoba Liquor Mart's happened on the weekend. I hope you got a chance to grab some of that Canadian Club Invitation Series, the 15-year-old Sherry Cask, which is out for $79.99 for a limited one-time release. An amazing gift if you're thinking about that whiskey lover in the fam. Um, but get on it right now because, as they say, limited time and limited quantities for the 15-year-old Sherry Cask. And... Uh, whether you're doing the sherry cask or a CC and ginger or grabbing one at the rum hut, you know that our friends at Canadian Club are ready for Saturday because they, of course, are the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I know Bomber fans will be keeping themselves warm on Saturday afternoon with a few CCs or the very popular CC and ginger in cans. You can pick up the Canadian Club family at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts, CC and gingers at your local beer store as well. And remember, folks, Saturday and always, always enjoy responsibly. All right, let's get into some hockey talk. Really looking forward to bringing in our next guest, the one and only John Shannon, um, a regular contributor to Winnipeg Jets hockey broadcasts on CJOB and uh, more experienced than uh, just about everybody put together when it comes to putting the games on the TV. John, thanks so much for doing this. It is great to have you on WST. How are you? Great, Andrew. Happy to be back. It is great to have you on, and uh, this is kind of a fun time to be talking about the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, oh, you... I, I thought we were going to talk about the Lions. The <laughs> the sticking line. Well, just quickly, I mean, you, of course, you're more than just hockey. This is a matchup between the Bombers and Lions that um, – We've really been waiting for all year long. They had that epic game at the end of the season to sort of determine where this game would be played. Mm. Um, but, man, one of the most anticipated West Finals we've had in a long time between the upstart Lions and the Bombers who have just raised the bar for consistency in this championship era. And I think that's the one key thing you have to worry about, BC, is can they be consistent? They did show a little bit of it against the Stampeders in the semi, but, hey, even the, you know, they made it a lot closer than it should have been against Calgary uh, last Saturday. So it'll be interesting to see if they can, uh, you know, get rid of all the kinks before they have to go and play Kolaros and the boys. Yeah, well, well I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the game, but one thing I can guarantee you is that this city is going to show out. They've had four straight sellouts looking for a fifth straight. And, I mean, if the crowd for this one is anything like the last couple of West Finals, uh, it is going to be a pretty special place to be on Saturday afternoon. And, folks, grab your tickets if you haven't already. Um, and what a day we've got, actually, Saturday here. The Jets are playing the Dallas Stars at 2 o'clock downtown, John. Um, but before we get to that, a big weekend in the Central Division with games against the Blues and the Predators. Um, but before we get to this week, I mean, uh, what have you thought about the Jets overall compared to your preseason expectations to what we've seen in this first 10-game segment? Well, I, I think my expectation of the Jets uh, before the season started was a lot closer to what we saw in Arizona on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I did expect them to be deeper and faster and a little more physical. Uh, I, I had a bit more confidence in the in the defense, and, and I always thought that Connor Hellebuck would do the job. It was... It was whether they could always put it together on the same night, Andrew. That, to me, was always the case. Um, and, and, and quite frankly, if Mark Scheifele could understand that he has a different role on this club now. Um, it, it is a different team. Uh, there is more depth on this team. He doesn't have to shoulder all of the offensive strategy of this club. And I think that um, I think it's positive. I actually think Mark is learning he has a different role on this club. 
And I think we've seen a shift, as you talked about with uh, Adam Lowry's line being so good. I think we've seen a shift in the power within the dressing room, and I think that's a positive for Winnipeg. Well, and a positive and something I think we all agree was um, was was needed. Um, and we'll get to Lowry and what he's done, you know, as a captain and and certainly leading that line right now. Um, but I love to get your perspective on just Shifley at to this point, as well as your reaction to he and Hellebuck signing those matching deals on Thanksgiving, what that did to the conversations, the narrative around the team, and the start that Mark had, very hot, although not quite you know, uh, as productive in these last few games, and a big part of that has been the difficulties on the power play. Yeah, well, obviously the power play is, is key to it, um, and he doesn't kill as many penalties as the other guys do, so that's, that's not a factor. Um, I, I just, you know, I, I think the... The signings obviously were good. Uh, obviously, Connor Hallebuck committing to this organization for as long as he has now is such a positive for the franchise, for the city. Um, you know, he's has he been as spectacular this year as we've seen in the past in his visit a year? No. But you know what? It's only the first week in November. Uh, I, I fully expect that Connor Hallebuck will do what he has to do and steal some games down the stretch as this team gets back into the playoffs. Um, you know, the, I was one of those guys, and I made no bones about it. I, I was really disappointed in Mark Scheifele last year. Uh, I was one of those guys that thought maybe they should they should try to trade him. Maybe he should move on. Maybe they do need, when they talk about a change in culture, they do need a change in leadership. Obviously, Wheeler leaving is, is was part of that, and Scheifele leaving might have been part of that as well. But when he stood up in front of his teammates in the dressing room the day after they signed or the day before they they made the announcement, but after he signed, and he said, I'm here and I'm here to stay, and the reaction was positive, that tells you everything what his teammates think of him. And that's what this is all about. Those 23 guys in that room have to like and respect each other and have a loyalty to each other. We didn't see that as much as we should have in the last couple of seasons. I think Mark is learning that as we go. Uh, I really do. And I think that that will make him a better player. We know he can pass the puck brilliantly. We know he can shoot. Uh, but there are some times where Mark has worried too much about Mark and not enough about the Jets. And I think we're seeing now he's starting to worry more about the Jets. And I think that's really important as this group of players matures. You know, the new players coming in will help have helped that too. The depth of the team helps that. The growth of guys like Cole Perfetti helps that. So I, I think everything's pointing in the right direction, and that does including the signing of both Connor and Mark on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a great point, John. And um, and listen, I, we can talk about Blake Wheeler's absence of from the room. I'm sure that is a significant factor. We can talk about Adam Lowry, who always was the bridge, I think, from the different corners of the dressing room together, being a perfect guy to being the leader going forward. But I don't think it can be understated. With everything we heard from Mark over the last couple of years and knowing the contract that he had before, knowing what a big decision this was going to be, um, to have that done, finished, signed, sealed, and delivered, the security and certainty of what he's going to be paid, there's only one thing to do. And that's continue to grow as a player and help his team win hockey games. And listen, it hasn't been perfect. He's not going to be nominated for the Selkie anytime soon. 
but I do think that we've seen a more engaged player that, um, you know, is certainly buying into what the team has to do. And, and that's a real good thing for the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I, I think the buy-in has been solid. I, and that's the one thing I think that when, when fans do go to the arena uh, or you watch on television or listen on the radio, I, I think that you can feel that, that there, he has bought into what everybody else is trying to push in the same direction. You know, you, Andrew, you know this game as well as, if not better than I do. Um, this is still based on being part of a team. It's no different than when you were nine years old playing, you know, peewee. It's, it's you have to be there and be committed to everybody else. You don't play 60 minutes. You play 20. So you better be prepared to commit to your part and then support the other 40 minutes for the other players. And I think we're seeing that a lot more. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, what, what Adam and Nino and Mason have done is lead by example. And that will, that will actually help this organization, help this team, and get the other two or three lines committed to pulling in the same direction as well. John, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I wanted to get into Adam Lowry with you in particular. Um, I think everyone knew that he was a great choice for to be a leader, to be a guy that, you know, has committed to Winnipeg, a great guy in the community, someone that universally respected in the dressing room, in the community, around the National mm -hmm. Hockey League. But a lot of people have thought that this was maybe a little, in 2023, an unconventional captain because he wasn't that first-line player. Um, he's always been sort of a third-line player, doing a lot of those little things. What's funny about the start to this season, John, is that if nobody knew the hierarchy of who the guys were, and you just watched the Winnipeg Jets this year, I'm not sure that you wouldn't think that that was the number one line, the most effective line on this team. And the work that they're doing in both ends, they're being rewarded for it right now. And, I mean, it's having a massive effect on the team. I, I couldn't agree more. Actually, I was joking with Kelly on Saturday that I think we got to stop talking about number one, number two, and number three. I agree. We, we, we have to. We You know, let's go back to the old days of the uh, – uh, when you and I were children, the Chicago Blackhawks of the early 60s, what every t every line had a nickname, you know, whether it was the scooter line. we got to find – I think that's the challenge in Winnipeg. Winnipeg's a good old-fashioned hockey town. I think we have to find nicknames for the lines again. You know, forget about, you know, well, the first line. Well, hey, listen, if, if we're talking first line, then we, then we have to talk about Adam Lowry's line, and we know that's not the case. So it's – and, and you you're, you're thought about Adam being – pick the captain um you know you know the fact that it happened the year after rick bonus and scott arneal showed up I, th I think reflects on what both of those guys understand and feel what a captain should be as well you go around the national hockey league and i think that you know that whole thing while well, he's he's the best player so he has to be the captain I think that mentality has been an escape. I think it's been I think it's been a lazy lazy decision for a few teams. Good teams have quality leaders as captains. And they also and, and they also have leadership groups. And I also think we're seeing that now. I think we're seeing a leadership group. I think that Appleton's part of the group. You know, I think Nick Ehlers is trying to be part of the group. Josh Morris he's part of trying to be part of the group. And I think that it's easier for them to be part of the group when a guy like Adam Lowry is at the top of the loop. Oh, I, listen, I, it's such a great point because they wanted to grow that leadership group. Right. I mean, it was sort of a group and then everybody else for a long time here. And I think they realized 
before Rick Bonus even got on the job that they needed to change that. Obviously, they started those changes last year. But now, to your point, John, there are so many guys that I think far more than in the past are feeling a part of it. And and, and that is so important from a team dynamic. This is a long, long season. Um, there's a lot that goes into success on the ice and off the ice. Having everyone feel like they're an important, valued member of the team that a lot is counting on, um, I think is exactly what Rick Bonus and the organization was thinking of when they made this decision. And um, so far, so good when it comes to uh, everything around that group and the growing number of guys that I think we consider leaders. Well, and, and not only that, I, I think we have to also understand what kind of effect that has on the younger guys. You know, when 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 Cole Perfetti showed up, there there was a schism in the room. We, that's there was, you know, and you don't get to use the word schism very often in sports, so it's kind of cool. But there was there was there were different groups, uh, and um, I think now that there's a real uh, philosophy amongst the players that I belong now, because I'm I'm here with people that you know, can appreciate me. It's not just a small group of guys. It's not just my, my, my clique of teammates. It, it, the clique is now 23. It's not three and five and six and seven. I mean, there are teams in the NHL that still have that issue. And they're the teams that you start wondering is, are they true, truly a team? Is there really, are they really going and, and playing for, for one common goal? What you can see now, and I truly believe this, and I think we've seen it really since the Vegas game, the, the game they lost at home on the Thursday night, is we're seeing a team play play for the group. We're, we're seeing it. Now, the, the results aren't going to be, you know, from that point on, 79-0, and 0, but we're seeing a team that plays for each other. And I think that's so important as, as this team tries to, to get, to a, get to a point. Because remember what a great start they had last year, Andrew. And, and they, they banked all those points early and then squeaked in. Uh, this is a team that's going to have to be a little more consistent over the 82 games in order to get in the playoffs. Well, and, and, and John, I mean, every one of these games is important right now. Every win counts the same as one at the end of the season. But you're exactly right, and it wasn't just last year. I mean, I, I, I still maintain that whatever happened with this Winnipeg Jets team either started or began to rear its ugly head at that very same time in the 2018-19 season when... You know, the team was second overall. They had just mm -hmm. gone to the conference final. They were second overall. Buff got hurt. The stuff with Line A started happening, and they were a shadow of their team in the second half and ended up, you know, falling out of first place, being tied with St. Louis and losing in that first series. Um, and they never really got it back at that point. And we've seen, you know, kind of ugly mid-Januaries to Marches for a few seasons before and that that will not be lost on anyone in that locker room especially with the change going forward but in the here and now um what a huge week for the hockey club within the division um you know knowing what's there for the taking right now when you look at the standings a big win in arizona and now st louis nashville and their biggest test of the year in the division with the dallas stars coming up this weekend yeah and funny st louis i would have told you five days ago oh st louis that's that should be easy for Winnipeg. Last two games St. Louis has played, boy, they have looked very impressive. They seem to have now bought in again to what Craig Berube wants. They're a much younger, faster team than the Blues were the last couple of years. Nashville, who are on one of the horrendous road trips of the Western Conference, when you think about it, 
I, I actually had to check whether they were going to go home before they played in Winnipeg, but they got to play in Calgary. And then after the, the afternoon game in Edmonton, they played so well. And so they're, they're going to be at the end of a road trip. That's one where I think Winnipeg has a huge advantage uh, at that point on, on Thursday night. And then you're right. Uh, the Dallas Stars, in my mind, are one of the top four teams in the National Hockey League. They can score. They can be physical. Uh, they have a great defense. And they have one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League in Jake Ottinger. In fact, I, th- that, to me, uh, that to me is a great goaltender matchup if Connor plays. Uh, that could be two-thirds, in my mind, of what the U.S. Olympic team will look like in 2026 in goal if it's Hellebuck versus Ottinger. Yeah, well, we should be try to, trying to uh, get one of these guys to get Canadian citizenship, to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you, when we're talking about the goaltending situation in a, in a projected best-on-best best tourney. Um, I wanted to ask you about a couple of the other teams in the league, but just before we move on the Jets, you mentioned Cole Perfetti. Um, a lot is on his shoulders. I mean, he's playing in a very important role right now, started at center, has moved back to the wing. Um, what have you thought about Perfetti so far and uh, where you at on his readiness to uh, take that next step to be the player that um, the Winnipeg Jets believed he could be when they drafted him in the first round? Well, we know he can pass the puck. He has brilliant hands. I mean, that, that's his strength. Uh, he's still, I think, in many ways, still learning to how to how to play the NHL game, how to, you know, with the depth of this team, there's responsibilities in the in the defensive zone as much as there are in the offensive zone. And I think that that's why the move from center to wing was a logical one at early in the season. But, you know, if, if he can improve his play in, in the defensive zone, then I have no qualms what he can do uh, w- when the Jets have the puck in and around the opposition net. To me, you know, he's perfect for uh, special teams on the power play, Can can do that. And I, there, there is a level of patience. You know, the guys that got drafted during COVID and then when you compound it with injuries that went on, he, he he's still in that learning phase. You know, you can compare him to guys in that same draft. He hasn't played near the amount of NHL hockey as some of the other guys. And I think we just have to be patient. Well, and, and the ironic thing you mentioned about uh, about him is that I think he is so committed to being a better player and to doing what the coaching staff is asking of him. Uh, and we're seeing the results. He's playing with a far more veteran player in Nikolai Ehlers. And granted, Ehlers did miss training camp, and obviously that kind of set him back a little bit. But for my money, Perfetti, on a game-to-game basis, has been a lot more consistent than Ehlers has been through this early yeah. part of the year. I'm not worried about Ehlers ever. I, 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 I've been a fan of Nick since he was back in Halifax. I just love the way he plays. And I, if Nick has one downfall, he just thinks too darn much. Stop thinking, just keep doing it, you know, and, and that, that would be it. And, and if we're going to, you know, one of the real reasons that that the, the lines seem to be meshing is that Nemesnikov has gone to the center position and done really well. I thought he was brilliant the second half of the game uh, at Mullet Arena on on. I keep trying to remember what city it is in Phoenix. So it's Tempe. Um, you know, I, I thought he was brilliant the second half of the of the game in Tempe. Uh, with the Jets' victory, so when when you have the ability to to roll lines the way that Scott is able to do right now, I I think that that's a a big part of the success. And that Perfetti Nemesnikov Ehlers line is just as good, if not better, than a lot of second lines in this league. John Shannon with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, while things have been uh, pretty good so far for the Winnipeg Jets, and certainly at five on five, they're playing well. That special teams has been somewhat of an issue, but you know we talked about you know where they are right now in this big week in the Central Division, John. When we look around some of the other Canadian markets, um, 
Things are getting hot, and they're getting hot early. Um, I just, you know, did my uh, daily lock shop show with Dustin Nielsen out in Edmonton, and I said, so how was the text line this morning, Dusty? And we had a bit of a laugh. Um, how are the Oilers where they are right now, John? Uh, well, everybody's contributed to their misery. Everyone. You know, Connor and Leon have contributed a little bit of it as well. Haven't scored enough. Haven't played enough together. Um, you know, the, the defensive struggles of this hockey club are, are pretty evident. Uh, Darnell Nurse has not had the good start to the season. Evan Bouchard has brain cramps. You know, Matthias Ekholm started the season a little injured and banged up, and now he's trying to catch up. Uh, they they have there there's there's something obviously missing, and I don't like I don't I'm not sitting here saying it's coaching because I don't believe it's coaching, but I I think the 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 human element of the game right now is missing. They get down quickly, they get down early, and they can't recover. Uh, you, you know, they, this is, this is a systematic issue that they have had the last three seasons to start the season. Not this bad, Andrew, this is bad, but they've, they've been a horrendous slow starting team. Uh, even though they put them in many ways, they put themselves in this predicament even worse when they talked about cup or bust. And remember that was the players talking cup or bust. It wasn't the writers. It wasn't the TV guys. It was the players saying, yep, this is a cup or bust year. They've put enough pressure on themselves, and now they're learning how to react. And it's not going to get easier when you consider they're going into Vancouver tonight to play the you know the best team in Canada. And then, dare I say, Thursday night is their next game. You know who they're playing that night? Vegas. They're playing San Jose. Huh. And, and, and just think about it. You know, And this is what, this is what, what the, the mental games that you go through – when you're playing badly, is it, oh, we're bad, we're bad. Well, we, you know, we're going to have a tough night in Vancouver. But what if we lose to San Jose? Oh, my goodness. I mean, and so, and but you can you can see it a mile away. That that's, I, I guarantee you there are a lot of Oiler fans across the country looking and saying, well, Vancouver's going to be tough, but oh, my goodness gracious, we cannot lose to San Jose Thursday night. No, that's about as close to the free space on the bingo card as there is in the National Hockey League and probably has been in a long time right now. What, the fourth time in NHL history to give up 10 in back-to-back games? I mean, uh, it is ugly. But as far as Edmonton goes, like, listen, you know, when this sort of happens, there's obviously the massive overreactions in some sections of the fan base, fire the coach. Woodcroft's coached 130 games at a 650 winning clip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that he just all of a sudden became a terrible coach. I will say this. The goalies need to be better. Everyone would agree with that. But I don't think you can just hang it all on goaltending as well. Because, John, as you mentioned, I mean, they're getting absolutely no depth scoring. And McDavid and Dreisaitl, I think I heard, haven't scored since the third or fourth game of the regular season. And when that dries up and everything else is going poorly... You don't win hockey games. I think one guy's five games without a goal, and the other one's seven. So, uh, you know, you're right. And and I'm a true believer in team defense. Um, and you know, and we can sit and we can get all over Jack Campbell and Stu Skinner, but they're not getting much help, man. And you know, and and you you could have a brick wall back there, and you know, shooters in the NHL will find the corner if if you're not getting any help from not just the defenseman, but from the forwards, me defense is a team sport. Uh, and Jack Campbell and Stu Skinner are, are, are taking a lot of blame for a lot of uh, deficiencies that exist 
in the Edmonton Oilers in their own zone. You mentioned the Canucks. I mean, I was going to kind of talk about the hot spots, but that has been a great story so uh, far. I mean, have they? Unbelievable. How much have they exceeded your expectations, or did you think that they would take a step up? And and how are they doing it? I mean, Rick Tockett obviously has a certainly a different level of expectations from his players, and it seems to be getting the best out of the team on the West Coast. Well, they if you look at their numbers last year, their goal differential was horrendous, just horrendous, and it was all on the defensive side of the puck. Because goal scoring has never been a problem in Vancouver. They have some great snipers. They have, you know, they have one of the best puck moving defensemen in the league as well. And Pedersen and Miller, and uh, they can they can shoot and score as, as well as anybody. So scoring goals was not a problem. But if you were able to cut down your goals against somehow, some way, you were going to be that much better anyway. Uh, so that's what Rick Tockett has worked on. Adam Foote's running the defense. He deserves a ton of credit there as well. Um, you know, but in Tockett's, first of all, I, I think now, you know, we were all a little ticked off when Bruce got publicly humiliated and fired and they brought Rick in to coach. Um, it was a wise move to bring Rick Tockett in for those last 25 games. It really was a smart move. So he could gauge who was with the program and who wasn't and how, what they needed to fix. So they knew they had to go out and, and fix their blue line, fix the defense. That's Ian Cole and Carson Soucy, who have done a very good job there. Philip Ronick. Philip Ronick has been a godsend in Vancouver. Uh, and, and people in Vancouver were critical of the trade because they gave up a first rounder. Ronick was not going to fit in Detroit, but he's fit in brilliantly in Vancouver. And so all of a sudden they've got four better defensemen than they had last year. Four. And that to me speaks why the Vancouver Canucks are uh, are doing what they're doing. And Thatcher Demko, by the way, another American goalie, Thatcher Demko is is finally healthy and playing the way we saw him play in the bubble. So that that's what's, that's what's different in Vancouver. You know, uh, uh, it was really interesting to hear Brady Kachuk talk. And we talked about Adam Lowry and his level of leadership. Um, I, I loved what I heard from Brady uh, in, in, you know, on the weekend in that, I mean, and if folks missed it, I mean, the fans were chanting fire DJ Smith and, you know, Brady took offense to it and basically jumped on a grenade and took all the attention off the coach and put it on himself and on the team right now. Um, very noble, not easy to do, especially for a young captain. Um, but it does speak to the turmoil unrest in the midst of the change. And obviously coming out of last week when uh, Pierre Dorian um, left after getting uh, um, hit with that penalty from the National Hockey League for the first rounder. I mean, uh, where are you at on the Sens right now in this very strange time in their existence? Well, it's, you know, they are. So Michael Landlauer buys a hockey club. Steve Stales comes along with them. Um, they haven't had the angst that every Senators fan has had for the last decade. Uh, they're, they're, they're trying to say, we're starting anew. We're starting fresh. Well, no, no Senators fan starts new. No Senators fan starts fresh. So you can understand their frustration when, you know, the, 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 particularly the two teams, in addition to the Senators that we were all pointing at that said, boy, they're going to be better this year. Buffalo and Detroit, both are off to better starts than the Senators. But when you look at the nucleus that, that, that the Senators have, I would argue that their nucleus is, is better. Than, than what you see in Buffalo and you see in Detroit. And so there's there's the obvious frustration for a Senators fan. Um, that said, you know, they have, they've lost three of their 
top six defensemen. No Zub, no Shabbat. I think Branstrom's still out. So all of a sudden, they're playing with guys that should be in Belleville, not in Ottawa. And that's those are factors that you have to deal with. This is where, you know, when a team goes 11-0-1 like Vegas did, you say, don't worry, boys, it's early. When a team like Ottawa goes 4-6, and six, you say, don't worry, boys, it's early. This is where you, you're dealing with the marathon and not the sprint. You know, the biggest challenge for Ottawa is, is that they have 16 of their first 23 games at home. And so that means they're going to have to, if they're going to make up time and they're going to be a better team, they're going to have to do it on the road, and that will be a challenge. Uh, John, around your neck of the woods, I'm sure, um, you know, it's funny. I've seen people in chat talk about all the Leaf conversations are involving the term pushback, uh, which, of course, Rick Bonus made famous at the end of the Jets-Vegas series um, last year. Um, they sign Ryan Reeves to a three-year deal. They bring in Domi. They bring in Bertuzzi. Um, and then what happened last week against Boston happens. Is this is this just a team in their DNA is not of that competitive level to answer challenges of a team like Boston, frankly, that's pushed them around in the past? I mean, uh, and, and, and how hot is it in Toronto? How angry are people about that thinking that the signings in the summer had significantly changed the makeup of the Leafs? I think, I think people have quickly started to roll their eyes at Bertuzzi. Uh, a little less at Max because Max's role on this club isn't wasn't supposed to be as big as mm-hmm. as Bertuzzi's was. Um, uh, you know, Tyler was supposed to be that he was supposed to be Toronto's version of Brad Marchand, and, and he hasn't become that guy. He he he's a different cat. Um, you know, this is a team that uh, you you wonder where the chemistry is. I've heard stories in the last uh, year or so about when players came to Toronto in trades at last year's deadline, they were amazed at at, uh, the chemistry that really didn't exist in the room. And next thing you know, know, Luke Shen doesn't sign in Toronto. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly doesn't sign in Toronto, even though there's a ton of pressure to play here, but there are opportunities elsewhere and they took them rather than stay here. So you do have to wonder about What's going on in the room? I mean, Domi and Bertuzzi, Matthew Nyes, who's a really good player, uh, they should be better than they are. Uh, Ryan Reeves, guy, you, you, you know, listen, you guys know what Ryan Reeves is all about. Oh, Ryan yeah. Reeves is 36, 37 years old. Ryan Reeves can't make a difference now. You know, he can't. He gave and you a can't. three-year deal. Well, I know, a, a, a three-year deal. And that's, you know, that's that will, you know, you it wasn't a lot of money, though. I mean, I'm yeah. not worried about it. It was in, in terms of what the Leafs pay people. It wasn't a lot of money, but and as good a person as Ryan Reeves is, um, you know, you wonder what his shelf life is on any club. When you look at how many teams he's played for in the last little while after finding success in Vegas, I would think that that was probably his his greatest impact. But he didn't last long enough there, and then he didn't last long enough in New York, and then he didn't last long enough in Minnesota. You know, so th- there's it. It's it hasn't worked the way it is. Really, you know who they really need in the lineup, Andrew? You know who they really need in the lineup? They need the president of the hockey club in the lineup. Yeah, because nobody was meaner and tougher and chippier and could still score goals than Brendan Shanahan. That's who they need. But they don't fall. Fall to the ground very easily these days, unless you're, you know, picking first or second in the draft. How would you categorize Keith's spot there? 
um, in that, you know, everyone kind of, I mean, listen, he was, uh, has always been thought of as a Dubas guy. They go mm-hmm. way back. He was his choice. Well, Dubas is in Pittsburgh now. Brad Treleving's the GM. Um, but as you mentioned, Brenda Chanahan's at the top of the food chain. I mean, uh, if things don't turn around for the Leafs, um, is that the, is that the move that's made at some point? The Leafs were four, four, and two at one point last year, and the and the I think he was in a lot more pressure last year than he is this year. Uh, I think people are now saying that they see that this is not on him. This is on the on the team. This is on the players. Uh, he did get a, a little bit of an extension from Brad for living, and obviously that would come with an endorsement from Brendan Shanahan. So I, I I'm not concerned about Sheldon. I think he was as frustrated as the rest of us were watching the Maple Leafs in Boston, and no pushback after the little grin injury. Hey, uh, Calgary got a much-needed win on the weekend in Seattle, but they're still 3-7-1 and one with um, these massive questions over guys like Elias Lindholm and Hannafin. Um, they also have new management. How do you think things play out over the next few months in Calgary? Oh, boy. I'll tell you what, just as, as in a personal side, I, I've known Ryan Huska for 20 years. I, I think Ryan Huska is one of the good people. You know, I, I met him when he was first coaching in the Western League in Kelowna, and I, I just think he's a marvelous person. I do think he's a good coach. I think he's been – he reminds me, uh, Andrew, of when Jeff Blaschel got hired to replace Babcock in Detroit. Yeah. You know, was he put there just as a placeholder for a while? And that's an awful thing to say, but, you know, maybe maybe Ryan can coach himself into a, a better spot. Uh, I'm not worried about Lindholm. If they want to get something for Lindholm, they can. Uh, the two guys that yeah, I have to be on everybody's list are Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri. What, what's going to happen? How are they going to turn things around? Are they going to be able to turn things around? You can't rely on rookies to come out of the uh, uh, the AHL like they have the last two games to score first goals in order to get things going every night. This is on Jonathan Huberdeau. This is on Nazem Kadri to do their part. And those are the guys that they have to get turned around. And in fact, I would say that those, those two players know that they have to do it and they better start taking over. Hey, John, this has been so much fun uh, kind of going around Canada here. Uh, on the way out, though, I want to ask you about the Boston Bruins. I mean, you lose Krejci, you lose Bergeron, who has been the heart and soul of that team for so long. They have the disappointing playoffs last year after that incredible red- record-setting uh, regular season. And I think everyone thought that this team, like there's no way they could be as good as they were last year. And yet there they are, 9-1-1 one, and one through their first 11 games. Um, how are they doing it? Well, they you know they they draft well. The latest guy, Matt Patra out of Guelph, has uh, has played a real role. Uh, at the same time, I think Don Sweeney has uh, got a little bit of Kelly McCrimmon in him, and he says, you know what, the, the only way we're going to win is we're going to have a great defense. You know, he stole Hampus Lindholm, and he's Lindholm has been great since he got there. When Charlie McAvoy comes back off his suspension, uh, you know, he'll just pick it up again. Uh, they still have the best goaltending tandem in the, in the NHL. And you know what? Jake DeBrusque, Charlie Coyle, Brad Marchand, uh, you, you know, Pavel Zaka. These are, these are good quality professionals. And they play the game in a simple way. It, it's, it's amazing. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. It's amazing how you put that Bruin spoked bee on your chest amazing how much braver you seem to become it really is there is something in the water it's it, whether it's in the chesapeake river or something that the in the chowder 
that makes you braver when you play for the Boston Bruins. It's amazing. Well, we talk a lot about team culture. That is a uh, that's a team that certainly Indeed. has it. John, thanks so much for the time. When uh, when uh, do we get to hear you again next with Kelly and uh, the gang on OB before oh, Winnipeg I, Jets hockey? I, well, I, I I do my Friday commentary. That's the one thing I know I have to commit to. Kelly gives me <laughs> heck if I don't get it in on time. So, but I, I would, I'm not really sure what I'm on next. I just, Kelly sends me an email and I'm ready to go. That's we, 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 we always, I just, tu- I just yell, put me in coach. <laughs> we always tune in and uh, it's always a bonus if you're on John. Thanks again for the time. Really appreciate the conversation. Have a great one. I'll tell you, what, here's the deal, Andrew. If the lions win Saturday, you have to have me back on sooner than later. And I get to sing the lions fight song. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I, I will agree <laughs> just so we can have you back, but um, I, I hope we'll have you back and we can talk and about maybe, the Bombers and, going and, to the Grey Cup. Maybe, maybe we'll see you at the Grey Cup too. <laughs> you bet. We'll be there. Hey, thanks so much, John. Really appreciate it. Cheers. The one and only John Shannon. Uh, make sure to follow John on Twitter at jshannon, uh, jshannonHL. And, of course, you can uh, hear him chopping it up with the fellas on CGOB before Winnipeg Jets hockey uh, intermissions, post-game as well, throughout the season. That was a lot of fun. All right, we are going to get to a little bit more Bomber-Lion talk. We'll have uh, Jeff Hamilton come up. But we're going to get back to the Winnipeg Jets and hear a little bit more um, come out of Wednesday, or sorry, out of Saturday's big win in uh, uh, in Arizona. Don't forget, um, big games this week, and really a big homestand um, beginning on Thursday for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, Nashville in on Thursday night. I did see that it's a, it's a uh, they're doing a little moose promo as well. A kind of neat giveaway uh, with a pennant featuring Josh Morrissey, Cole Perfetti, and um, who was the who was the third one? Kyle Connor. Mo- Kyle Connor. Thank you. Um, as former Manitoba Moose player, so uh, that's a nice giveaway at the game. And then, of course, Saturday against the Dallas Stars. Tickets available right now. Jersey coming up next week. And then Arizona and Buffalo. Nice weekend games for the people. Friday and Saturday night heading into Grey Cup Sunday. Um, Go to winnipegjets.com for tickets. And, of course, you can check out ticket packages as well. Um, Do have to thank our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, very important at this time of year, beauty products and groceries, and Winnipeg's largest selection of local products too, get on over to one of six Vita Health Fresh Market stores or online at their fully shoppable website with local delivery options at myvita.ca. And we know it's Men's Health Month, gang. Prairie Naturals offers Canada's number one line of men's health supplements, formulated to help support the changing needs of a man's body, Prost Force is evidence-based formulation of the key nutritional and phytochemical ingredients researchers recommend for prostate health. Prairie Naturals Men's Health Supplements can help males address the challenges with prostate health, andropause, low libido, low testosterone, stress, male energy, and performance. And they're on sale all month at Vita Health empowering people to lead healthy lives, six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Um, gang, Wallace and Wallace are our great sponsors and friends. You know that they're the fencing experts in town. You saw the fences and their trucks all over the city this summer, as they always are. Um, but did you know that they're also the leaders in overhead garage doors? And that garage door of yours had uh, lots of ups and downs over the summer and fall, getting you and your family to 
all the fun stuff. But guess what? That garage door is about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. And man, it's already November. The holidays are just around the corner. Guys, if you're looking into your closet and realize that you need to up your menswear game, uh, I think you all know that uh, F Apparel is the spot to get that taken care of. Pop into F and check out custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In addition, they can suit you up for the big day. If you're getting married or you're in a wedding party, make sure to talk to the staff at F Apparel about a 15% discount when the group gets their suits at F Apparel. They're waiting for you downtown, 190 Smith Street. Find out more online or make an appointment at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. All right, great stuff with John Shannon. Let's get Remo back in here because I uh, did want to talk a little bit more about the game on Sunday before we get into tomorrow against Thursday. And uh, listen, it was all, I mean, everyone was talking about Nino Niederreiter. Everyone was talking about Brandon Dillon, Mason Appleton, another monster game, Adam Lowry as well. Um, the one guy I wanted to bring up, Remus, that has taken his fair share of criticism that I thought had a monster game, even more impressive when you considering consider what he's been doing, was Neil Pionk. Um, Pionk, Pionk was the one guy in the first period that was shooting the puck, and um, he was hammering it, got a couple on net early, um, <clears throat> played a really competitive game. And, you know, this article came out after we were finished on Friday, but... Mike McIntyre sat down with Neil Pionk um, in Arizona and to hear what he's been going through in the aftermath of um, the tragic passing of his, uh, his former, of his former teammate, Andy Johnson. Um, it, um, it, it, it took, I think everybody back just to see, to learn how close they were. Um, and he even admitted that he hasn't been able to stop thinking about it, even to the point of thinking about it while he was in the penalty box in Vegas. Yeah, this was quite a read. Uh, shout out to Mike McIntyre, who has been on this road trip. Uh, he should be joining us tomorrow from St. Louis. He's at the Jets practice right now. They're still in Arizona. And yeah, Adam Johnson tragically uh, killed in the accident in the British Elite Hockey League. And Neil Pionk o- opened up to Mike McIntyre and said, you know, he was one of his best friends. We went to college together. He was the best man at his wedding. And I mean, going through all that mentally while trying to play, saying, as you, as you mentioned, thinking about it while you're in the penalty box, thinking about it at all times, you have to wonder, um, you know, just wonder about, uh, you know, his, his mental state. Um, you know, he seems, you know, had a great game on Saturday. You know, that when he's in the lineup Tuesday, he's going to be playing uh, for his friend. And shout out to the Jets, has a chartering a plane, taking them to the memorial, or the, the private memorial, which I believe was yesterday. And there's yeah, a celebration. Celebration of life in Minnesota. Um, the Jets organization has certainly stepped up for Pionk, who I have follows going a number of players. Toninato uh, as well, to- all Tonanato. former UMD Bulldogs. Yeah, so number of players going. Um, what a terror! What a tragic um, situation there is. Yeah, and um, and, and 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 I mean, listen, I mean, you, uh, I mean, what Neil and all of his close friends and family are going through. I mean, you can't even imagine. 
Um, but there has been some, and I'm obviously they'll, I'm sure do a beautiful service and, um, there'll be memorials within the hockey world for him. Um, mm. I'm not sure if you caught this yesterday, premiership game on the weekend, Nottingham forest football club, um, was playing a game and the fans there made a massive, those TIFOs, you know, those huge, like they look like paintings, like on, a um on canvas or whatever and mm -hmm. and rolled it up it was an amazing visual um and you know so i know that hockey certainly over in britain is uh, a, a blip on the map compared uh to soccer um but it just shows that you know the uh how that tragedy is resonating over there as well and um there it is you can see they had the uh the big flag of uh, johnson they did a moment for him um just a an absolutely tragic situation that um, we learned a lot more about how that's been affecting uh, Neil Pionk in particular and some of his teammates on uh, Friday. So uh, good stuff from, uh, from Mike McIntyre. Um, but, you know, as far as the game went, it didn't look good when the team was down to nothing. And then it was Nito Niederreiter, the Swiss Superman to the rescue, along with, um, along with um, uh, Mason Appleton. Um, and I guess as we get into Nino Niederreiter, Remo, and I mean, we'll be talking a lot about what they did on the uh, on the ice. Interesting uh, little tidbit from Billick on the weekend that uh, Nino's agent's making a trip to Winnipeg this week. And I think uh, a lot of people probably sounds like with the Nino camp, as well as the Winnipeg Jets, would love to get the uh, Mr. Hat Trick from the weekend signed to an extension beyond this season after the way he's perfectly fit in with the Jets. Yeah, Nino got off to a great start, Huss, and the puck wasn't going in, but it's certainly been going in lately. And what great timing, Hussler, for this uh, bomb uh, dropped by, I don't know if you classify as a bomb, but this nugget uh, by Scott Billick dropped 11.14 p.m. on Saturday. Some late-night Jets news. Niederreiter's agent expected to be in town next week for the week. Niederreiter wants an extension in Winnipeg. We'll see where it goes and we've been saying i think since last year like you just lock this guy up he's such a perfect fit he's got a skill set that you know they don't really have a lot of big body can go in the corner corners uh go to the front of the net he can score as you mentioned you know but seven seasons of 20 goals and i think he came here with an open mind us and that didn't really know a lot about the city i think when you're a visiting player what you just go to the hotel and the rink but he seems uh seems to enjoy it and I don't know what it would, I was thinking, Huss, like a three-year deal, I don't know, four or maybe five million AAV. I don't know, does that get it done? He sees what other guys have have committed here to the Winnipeg Jets and saying, hey, I want to be a part of this. And I'm just looking up his, let me just refresh myself on what his current contract. He's making four million now, but he want a bit of a bump. He is uh, 31 31 years old, so I don't think you want to go too long-term, but, hey, you want to get him to sign on the dotted line? Well, and, and, and you know, when it comes to the um, when it comes to the nego negotiations between the two sides, I would think that, I mean, the AAV is going to be Im important, but I would imagine the term might be more important. Um, so, you know, whether they're pushing for a three-year deal or, a, you know, a four-year deal, but they want to go that long, uh, certainly a multi-year deal, and I'd imagine they'd probably want to look at it longer than two years. Um, you know, we'll ask Hammer about that. Jeff Hamilton, we thought Jeff was going to come on a little later, but uh, he sounds like he's good to go. So we'll save that audio um, afterwards, and we'll get into a little bit of NFL talk as well here on the program. Uh, but we're going to talk Bombers, Lions, West Final coming up. 
Um, 5.30 p.m. Saturday, tickets going fast. You know where to be. Uh, and if you're going to the game, get there early. 3.30 p.m., the Princess Auto Tailgate Zone opens before the game with um, cheap beers, hot dogs. I imagine they'll crank out some hot chocolate for a playoff game as well, some warming stations, and an atmosphere and a vibe unlike anywhere else in the Canadian Football League. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers, Winnipeg Sports Talk, and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see him on either Panet Road or Portage Avenue West. And you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And hey, getting ready for that game, you also want to mix in a little trip over to Royal Sports. Of course, you're your number one spot when it comes to Jets and Bomber merchandise. Uh, toques, scarfs, some of the things to keep you a little bit warm for the Bomber game. Certainly there jerseys and with the holidays around the corner you can pretty much nail all of your christmas shopping for the sports fans in one simple trip over to royal sports and Remo, actually if you've got a second fire up their instagram they just dropped today um i've had a lot of comments on that winnipeg whips hat that i got at royal a while ago they've got a new hometown classic launch of a limited edition whips hat in a uh, in a corduroy um, hat. So those are just out right now. I have a feeling they won't last very long. So if you want to get your hands on one of those of the exclusive hat collection launched by Royal Sports along with New Era, the Whips one is in store right now. And by looking at that picture, you can see all the incredible selection they've got at Royal Sports. Uh, pop down and see them, 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pembina. And hey, it's Monday night. That means Monday night football. Interesting matchup between the Chargers and the Jets this evening. Um, you're looking for a great spot for Monday night. You don't have to go far. Your local BP is the place to be. Gather with your friends for the game on the big screen with big sound. Enjoy ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and your chance to win great prizes every Monday night at your local Boston Pizza. And hey, if you're staying at home, you can always order in at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's bring the hammer in, who uh, is getting ready for a very busy week heading into the West Final. What's going on? How are you? Awesome. Good, man. It's a car cast today. It's just been one 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 stop after the next. I wasn't even supposed to work today. I usually spread – I usually uh, – I usually um, clear my schedule for these hits just so I can give you and your viewers the best of me. But uh, I'll, I'll see if I can't. Uh, I'll see if I can't uh, rally to the occasion. Well, you you're always you're always bringing it, my friend. Um, let's get to it, and we can maybe hit on a couple of Jets topics. But I mean, this week is going to be dominated by talk of the West Final. The Lions got it done against Calgary. What did you think of BC's, BC's performance and uh, the steam they're going to be bringing into what we expect to be a chilly IG field on on Saturday? Yeah, I thought it was a convincing win. I mean, um, you know, all the question marks, if if you want to call them that, around Vernon Adams, I think were tempered. You know, I don't think he had a great uh, regular season finale when he was pulled at halftime. And despite Rick Campbell talking about his health being just fine, um, that he was setting him up to be the hero when it mattered. And sure enough, when it mattered, Vernon Adams was the hero. And so, uh, you know, I thought the BC Lions, you know, I wrote in my CFL rundown column last week, I hate doing predictions, but 
you know, I, I've decided to join the game. I, I had BC win in this one. Um, you know, I, I know what Calgary was able to do with, against them in the, in the regular season finale and how, you know, a lot of the talk was around their run game and how, you know, BC might have difficulties uh, handling that again. Uh, you know, I think it was pretty evident based on Saturday's affair that, uh, that, uh, probably weren't playing their best football to close out, you know, what was a, a pretty meaningless regular season finale. So I think we saw what the good BC lions, um, you know, I think they come into Winnipeg this week with some momentum. Um, I certainly don't think it's better than getting the week off, you know, as, uh, as we know, it's uh, the wear and tear at this time of the season is, is significant. It takes guys days to, to get back into to feeling quote unquote good. Um, you know, so there's all those things that come with it, but certainly, uh, certainly a, a, a good showing by BC, and uh, should be a should be a good game here against the against the Bombers. I know that there's, you know, some question marks with health and and you know in Winnipeg over a few guys, and um, certainly you know that rest is is helping. They're doing, you know, they've been through this before in, in previous years, so they know how to handle it. So there's no concern there, but um, certainly um, should be a good 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 game this week, especially after what we saw from Lions last week. Yeah, I mean, listen, they uh, they looked ready for the challenge. And in a lot of ways, you mentioned the regular season finale. I think for the Bombers and the Lions, in a lot of ways, the regular season finale was, for all intents and purposes, that all-time thriller between those two teams in BC Place, which basically determined that this football game on Sunday would be played here in Winnipeg. The Bombers did have the bye week, um, you know, where they didn't have to play. They were out on the field on the weekend. I mean, what do we know about what the Bombers have been doing while BC had to worry about the Calgary Stampeders? And in particular, uh, any word or update on Dalton Schoen and Rashid Bailey, who got nicked up at the end of the game in Calgary? Yeah, so I think this week was all about... It was all about trying to get as closely back to a routine as possible, but also understanding that those routines week in and week out are exhausting. You know, they weren't going through day one, day two, day three, day four, like they would because they don't know their opponent. And a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the talk in the, and the, and the meetings and the, and the strategizing of course is around who they're playing. So while I think there was an effort to stay in that routine physically, you know, whether that meant hitting the field, you know, they did have a couple practices this week. I am sure they were hitting the field for more. They didn't have to, but just knowing this team, I'm sure they were probably out there every single day doing some kind of, you know, physical fitness of, of some sort or, or strategizing, whatever, just, just staying sharp. Right. Because this is the week that uh, I don't want to say that, of course, it's the week that matters last week mattered too, but this is the week where you want to get your execution and you want to be, you know, fine tuned. You want to be running well. And, and I think that was pretty much the whole point of last week. Like I said, I mean, guys were at the stadium every day, um, you know, in the in, in the workout room doing their own doing their own on-field stuff doing team you know on-field stuff and so while it was a different week um you know of course they didn't have to play they are healthy you know they are getting ready and now i think it was it was just so that you didn't you know you weren't off your feet you weren't you know you weren't going into this week feeling rusty right that that rest versus rust argument and uh it's more than just it's more than just being rusty for the game it's being rusty for your you know you go a whole season you, you know you're you're so dialed in for your routines you're so 
focused on on you know what's at hand all week that, I, that i'm sure that was a nice mental break um but it was also making sure that you're you were ready and prepared to hit the ground running which uh, which ultimately starts tomorrow as, as day one of practice gets underway for for a big game on saturday what uh what are you hearing about shown and um i mean and, and bailey I mean, I know he was out there. He just wasn't fully participating in practice. I would maybe be a little bit more um, optimistic, but seeing Dalton in that walking boot and seeing some of the rumblings of uh, the potential severity of the injury, I mean, uh, you're hearing anything that he's a possibility or is that best case scenario, the team wins and he maybe can go in Hamilton? Yeah, sorry about that, Hass. I, I missed the uh, probably the most important part of that question they asked uh, for, for at least what the fans want to know. Um, you know what, Dalton's shown... The way I view things is he hasn't been on the field. Obviously, it's not a minor thing. Um, you know, it's something that I'm sure Al Couture has been, you know, spending every single day trying to get him back onto the field. Ala, uh, Zach Kolaris for the for the Grey Cup last year. Ala, Matt Nichols in previous years. Ala, Chris Strebler in previous years. You know, Brandon Alexander. Anyone who's dealt with, you know, a serious injury, um, you know, and, and still wants to play. Obviously, it's it's. It, it, let's just put it this way, Huss. In, in the times that I've been covering this team, the years I've been covering this club, you know, there's been, I feel like these players who we don't think are going to play, there's no chance they're going to play, you know, the injuries happen so close to game time. I've been more often than not um, surprised that they do play far more often than, you know, the result of them not playing. And so while I don't have, you know, a definitive answer for you um, on Dalton Schoen, I think the fact of the matter is neither did the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, and at least they're not, you know, they're 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 going to continue to do everything they can for Dalton Schoen to, to get him prepared, to get him ready. I'm sure they talk about all the different options that are available to him and, you know, the risks involved and, and stuff that they would do for the game. And, you know, stuff I'm talking about is freezing and all those things. That's not unique to Dalton Schoen. That's, you know, every single player that, that tries to come back. And, you know, and, and as long as they're not risking severe injury, you know, want, want some of that pain, you know, help with the pain, obviously. And so um, I don't have a definitive answer on him. I just, you know, my gut's telling me that, you know, he's going to play. Um, but who knows? I mean, if he, if, he, if he's not, let's just say this, if he's not playing, it's because he, it's because it's that bad. You know, it, it was, it was despite all the efforts that were made to get him on the field, it just wasn't enough. And so I, I don't know where that's at. Like I said, my, my gut's kind of telling me he does play, um, but but we'll see. I mean, Rashid Bailey, Mike O'Shea pretty much said earlier this week in his avail uh, over the weekend, rather, on Saturday, that, that um, Rashid was good to go. And he doesn't, you know, he, he doesn't give a lot of hints about, about injuries, um, and he certainly doesn't usually say guys are good to go. So Rashid Bailey, um, if they're not, so Rashid Bailey, I think is going to be a player. I mean, maybe he needs to, you know, maybe they, they, they probably need to make sure that he's good at practice. I wouldn't be worried if you show up, if, uh, if, 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 if at practice on Tuesday, um, sorry, I missed call there from my boss. Um, uh, if, if Rashid Bailey isn't at practice on tomorrow that all of a sudden he's not going to play. I don't think that, I mean, part of me doesn't expect him to practice tomorrow just because, 
I think you, you know, you don't really put the added stress on, on, on the injury um, with an added day of practice. No one really needs to practice at this point, um, you know, or, or at least not all week. So, you know, Dalton shown, he's certainly the, you know, I'm, I'm less positive that he'll play than a Rashid Bailey. But again, I, I, I do think, I do think just given the experience with the, with the medical staff, um, you know, history would suggest that, you know, they will go to incredible measures um, and injuries that look like it might be three weeks away, four weeks away are suddenly not that long away. And so just because I've seen that over and over again, I'm just not going to bet against them. And that's why I feel that way, but I cannot tell you definitively if he'll be, if he'll be in the, he'll, he'll be in the lineup on, uh, on Saturday. And, and the other thing too, is they did pick up Mark Keith Ambles for a reason. I mean, he is insurance, right? He's not just insurance for adult and shown, you know, there's other potential injuries. You know, I, I don't have any of that out there, but I'm just saying things could happen. And so you want, you want that experience in, in, in case, uh, uh, in case something does happen. But as I wrote earlier this week, um, if all goes to plan, Marquis Ambles will not take a single stat with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this season. You know, um, you know, when we're talking about Bailey, um, you know, he had that incredible touchdown, one of the plays of the year in that you know meaningless game at the end of the season in Calgary, and then did get nicked up. I mean, the guy plays so hard every single time he's out there. Um, and I know we think of receivers as, uh, you know, options for Zach Caleros catching big plays. To me, Bailey needs to be in there for the running game. I mean, the one thing that you know you're going to get from Rashid Bailey every single time he is out there is a full buy-in and commitment to whatever the offense is calling. And a lot of times, he's been incredibly effective, not on the stat sheet, Jeff, but in making really significant blocks that have helped the O-line break an extra 5, 10, 15, 20 yards for Brady Oliveira. Same reason why I love Venice Beach, man. I like to play in the mud, and that's uh, and that is that is Rashid Bailey to a nutshell. He's he's uh, he, he he you know he him along with Drew Wolitarski is another guy where they are asked to do a role that doesn't necessarily result in the kind of plays we saw Rashid Bailey do in the season the regular season finale where he had that incredible touchdown. That's just not what he's asked to do on a week in and week basis is his job. The thankless, the thankless role that him and again, Drew Wolitarski plays a lot about is, is for those, you know, the run game, the blocking, the being the extra guys on the edge, the playing the physical game, not just because they, not just because they want to, but because they can, and they're incredibly good at it. And, you know, a lot of success that Brady's had Brady Oliveira's had this year has not just been the offensive line, but but the work of the receivers and you know I, those two names. Everybody chips in to a certain degree, but it's it definitely is Rashid Bailey and Drew Wolitarski that that find themselves more often than not clearing lanes um, for other people or being decoys for other receivers. Um, and certainly, you know, his absence. I don't think Rashid Bailey will be absent, but that would be one of the biggest things. It's not just a uh, you know, a, a guy with sure hands in a lot of instances and can play a physical game, but a guy who can play, you know, do some of those thankless jobs, like get in on on those extra blocks and again do them well. Um, and that's why the Bombers have been so effective in the ground game, which you know is going to be a really, really big part, uh, important part of Saturday's game. Hammer, um, the Montreal Alouettes beat the Tie Cats. They get another crack at the Argos, who have basically been waiting for this game for two months. Um, do you give the Alouettes much of a shot to go in and pull the upset? Um, and, and how challenging will it be for the Argos to dial it up at the level that they're going to need to, considering 
that they've been basically waiting for this, as I mentioned, for uh, seven, eight weeks. Well, yeah, exactly. Seven or eight weeks. The last third of the season they've been dealing with this. So they know exactly what's going on. And if you and if anyone caught those, you know, final third of the season for the for the Argos, they didn't really miss a beat when they put their backups in. It feels like the challenge for them is finding the right mix of players because they got so many talented guys. And, um, you know, I, I do give a lot of credit to Montreal. I thought, you know, not only like if you look at that game, I thought Hamilton was going to make it a heck of a lot closer. But then you got the Owls, you know, do what good teams do. And that's put a that's put their foot on your necks when they got you down. And and we saw that from the Alouettes. We saw we see a team in 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 Montreal that is well coached. Jason Moss is, you know, he's really 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 taken a hold of that team and and been a part of that city and community. He absolutely loves it, and I think that passion for the market is has uh, certainly transferred into to his coaching and 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 how he you know how serious he takes his job. He always was a serious guy, but he just has the right buttons to push. I think for this team because. You know, as, as you know, as we all knew in the off season with all the uncertainty around ownership and, and certainly the uncertainty around ownership while free agency was happening. Right. I mean, they lost Eugene Lewis. They lost Trevor Harris, you know, two of their best weapons on offense because of the uncertainty there. And for, you know, bring in a guy like Cody Fajardo, who they're asking just not to make any mistakes because their defense is strong. They got some, you know, they got some good running. They got some good running options, obviously. And, and uh, you know, they, they have weapons, uh, you know, through the air. Austin Max done well this season. And so they've really just played a team game. And, and that's where I think they're kind of scary is that they have belief in each other. Right. And they're, you know, it's, it's, you know, they have the talent, but they really do have that, you know, especially after that victory, you know, last, that, this past weekend, I think they're feeling really good about their game. Um, but that being said, the stats don't lie, man. Like they didn't beat, they didn't beat, uh, Montreal beats the teams they're supposed to beat. That's below them in the standings. They don't beat the teams that are above them in the standings. And the record is, I think, I think they were like, Oh, and seven against the three, the, the big three, the, the Toronto BC and, and, um, and Winnipeg. And they, they, were perfect in the rest of their game. So I don't think anyone was surprised to see what they did to Hamilton. I think people will be quite frankly shocked if they go into Toronto um, and, uh, and, and carve out a victory. You know, I, I just think Toronto's, you know, Ryan Dinwiddie is, I don't want to say he's an underrated coach because I don't think anybody, you know, for a guy who's been nominated for coach of the year, I think the last two years and is probably going to win it this season is, is all that necessarily underrated, but I don't think he's necessarily as pre, uh, as appreciated as he should be for, you know, his ability to just, you know, come up with game plans and, and know his players. And I still, you know, he's, he's very much a player's coach. I still think he's working on that aspect of his game uh, or of, of his craft where, you know, he can kind of reel guys in emotionally, but um, he just, you know, I just think he's just a, such a smart mind and, and much like we see in Winnipeg, uh, has a great staff around him that that uh, that puts his players in, uh, into success. And so, you know, playoff football, anything can happen. I would not be surprised if it was a close game, but I do think Toronto just has the horses. I think they're ready for this. I think they've been planning for this. They know exactly who, you know, I imagine who their opponent was going to be, um, you know, seeing those two teams a lot. I just, I just, you know, as good and as impressive, certainly, uh, um, 
certainly exceeded the expectations I imagine a majority of, of CFL fans out there, certainly my expectations for them this year. Um, but I just think this, uh, the, this storybook, if you will, uh, does not have a great ending for the Alouettes and the, and Toronto does what they have to do this week to, uh, to punch their ticket to the, to the championship game. Hammer, we're always, uh, I mean, we always like to uh, promote good news stories for the Canadian football league. And, uh, you know, attendance was up, I think 3% this year ratings on TSN, really strong this year and continuing to grow. But this coming Saturday could be a massive day for the Canadian Football League in that there's the potential of having two finals in each division potentially sold out. We know what the Bombers have been doing at the gate with four straight, and we'll expect another massive crowd at IG Field on uh, on Saturday. But um, i got to tell you, it is great. I know everyone loves to pick on Toronto, and they have not supported that team well. Um how huge would it be for the Canadian Football League if BMO is sold out for the Argos on Saturday afternoon? Especially impressive given that it's Montreal. You know, I still think it would be impressive all the way around, but if it was Hamilton in Toronto, I would almost be shocked if it wasn't sold out. Because, you know, Hamilton is going to try to do everything, would have tried to get do everything they could to get their team back to Hamilton the next week for the Grey Cup. Um, anytime there's a sellout, whether it's in... Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Toronto, it's good news for the CFL. And you want to have sellouts for big games. You know, I, you know, there's a lot of talk about how challenging it is in Toronto. I've certainly spilled enough ink about it. Um, you know, and it's even more disappointing when you look at the kind of success they have, the historic season that they had, tying, you know, a league record for, for the most victories um, in a season, you know, in the 18-game era um, that it hasn't, you know, it's not that they don't have a great fan base. I think they do have a great fan base. They just, they don't seem like a fan base that wants to show up to games and support, you know, on field events. And, you know, I think you, you probably some people there listening to me right now and thinking, what's this idiot talking about? If they had hardcore fans, they would fill that stadium. Um, yeah, maybe, but I, I do know that they get a lot of numbers. You know, you talk about that increase in, in, uh, in viewership and in TSN, a lot of that accounts for viewers out in Ontario, particularly Southern Ontario. Um, so I don't think it's a lack of love for, for the CFL. Um, but certainly you want to have those packed gates. You want to have that energy in stadiums. You want players playing in front of it. You want people going home and talking about how wild it was. That you, you know, you couldn't find, a, you know, you had to stand up the whole game. It was just a wild experience, right? So that's great news. And especially when you consider the time of year, Huss. Like, you know, we're talking about... A, a balmy high of minus four in Winnipeg on Saturday. You know, it's it all of a sudden becomes pretty appetizing to uh, to sit down on your couch in your warm home on your big TV and, and and watch the boys get it done. It's a whole other it's a whole other ordeal to to get down there and to sit and sit for four four quarters in in frigid temperatures. So I, I give I give kudos to everybody who goes out and you know I and you know I I'm with you I'm. I want you, you love to see it. You want to see it. You want to see the, the league thriving. You want to see the atmosphere, you know, a, a good one, especially when you, when you consider what, what's at stake this weekend. Uh, so it's not surprising. So hopefully those, uh, those ticketing uh, groups from each team can really get on their horse here in the final stretch and, uh, and get those sellouts done or, Hey, just, just get the rest of the tickets and get a, get a balloon over the city and parachute them down over the, over the people and then call to sell it. I don't care. Just get the butts there. 
Yeah, well, um, listen, I really hope to see it in uh, in both venues, and uh, it should set up what will be an amazing week in Hamilton uh, for the Grey Cup the following week. Hammer, before we go, um, we've spent a lot of time talking Jets so far this season. I mean, big win in um, Arizona after falling down 2 nothing, And once again, Adam Lowry, Nito Niederreiter, Mason Appleton, absolutely dominant and um, Brendan Dillon getting into it with a couple goals as well. Um, just a quick thought on the Jets coming out of that win into a huge week for them when it comes to the Central Division with a road game in St. Louis and then home games against Nashville and Dallas. Of course, the Dallas game leading us right into the West Final on Saturday. Yeah, a couple of contract years for uh, Nino Niederreiter and, and Brent Dillon. Right on time, eh? Timing right on time is everything. For, for those conversations, yeah. And then from what I understand from, from Scott Billick's report, even better timing for uh, Nino Niederreiter's agent to show up and start talking business. You know, I that would be a tough one for the Jets if you're going to go by recency bias. But you know what? Nino Niederreiter's been kind of doing that. Not kind of. He's been doing that since he got here. I mean, how many times did you hear last year you know, Niederreiter shows up at the, you know, at the trade deadline and everyone's talking about him being the template for this team's success. So, uh, you know, it's, it's great to see a guy like him, you know, put the, start putting the puck in the back of the net, getting rewarded for that same thing with Mason Appleton. Obviously we talked about this last week. I think, I think, um, I think Rick Bonus had a bit of a hope that maybe he could bring Mason Appleton up to the top line. You, you know he wasn't going to stick there necessarily for a long time, but get that confidence going, get that scoring going. Well, he didn't do anything really on that line, but that didn't stop him from going back to his regular trio and really feeling pretty good about himself. So, you know, I think this is going to be an interesting year for the Winnipeg Jets. They clearly have the talent. They clearly we, We've clearly seen over the first, whatever, 10 games here or so that they have an ability to play, you know, outplay their opponent. They've had more, they've had more better periods than, than bad periods. So I just think it's about finding, finding that synergy, right? It's about finding that, that, that consistency, that identity and just, and and then just fine tuning that identity. I think the biggest thing with this team is, is they just can't seem to get, you know, two lines going at once you know, consistent enough, right? Or, or, like, it's got to be, like, the third line's carrying the team here, and then it's the first line. And I'm not saying we haven't seen that this season. Of course we've seen that this season, but you, I think you'd like to see more of that to just kind of make it a bit of a, you know, make it a bit of a fluid, for lack of a better term, a bit of a fluid contribution throughout the lineup and not have to, you know, f- make guys feel like they need to be the ones that are that are, are carrying the ship, at, you know, every week. But, I, you know, I, I like the look at this Jets team. You know, c- certainly Connor Hellebuck has found found his game a bit more here and, and they're going to need him to uh, the defense. I mean, if you got guys like Brendan Dillon scoring goals, that's just going to help with confidence. I still think that's part, part of the group that, you know, it's, you know, if, if the jets get to the trade deadline this year and, and things are going well, it might be the part that they, they probably want to improve on. I don't think that's uh, that's coming from, you know, coming from anywhere uh, extraordinary for me, but I, you know, I, I think you, you know, the, the record isn't necessarily where, you know, maybe maybe fans want it to be, but I do think this team has the pieces. And um, if they, you know, but that it doesn't matter if you have the pieces. You got to put them together. And while we've seen certainly some parts of that, um, we got to see more of it. And and uh, I think there's a good opportunity coming up here. Get back home or to wrap up the the the, um, the road trip in in St. Louis. Get back home for for some good hockey. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is the start of the year, man. There's still lots to play, but we all know as you inch closer to American Thanksgiving, what all those stats suggest, um, I just think, uh, you know, the Jets aren't in a bad spot. They can certainly be in a better one.
Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, big opportunities this week in the division, as we mentioned, with St. Louis, Nashville, and Dallas on the uh, on the schedule. Hey, uh, just on the way out, we mentioned this a little earlier today, but um, pretty powerful piece from your colleague Mike McIntyre in that conversation with Neil Pionk. And, of course, mentioned this before as well. Credit to the Jets chartering that flight for he and Iafalo and Dominic Toninato. Um, to you know, to go to both the private service and the public celebration of life and get back there today. But I mean, you know, we focus so much on the intricities of the games and the giveaway here. I mean, to hear Neil Pionk how he's been struggling in the aftermath of uh, his very close friend's passing, to the point where he's thinking about it in the penalty box. It was uh, it was a real eye-opening piece from Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I, I certainly shared it. And Mike did a Mike did a great job um, on the piece for sure. And you know, I certainly appreciate Neil. You know, coming out and sharing those kind of things, sharing those kind of feelings, sharing those kind of experiences, right? Because you know, um, you got a platform uh, that speaks to people, right? People care about how you're doing. Um, you know, they care about you as a, a member of the Winnipeg Jet. You have a lot of influence, so. To me, just for him to come out and share those feelings, to be vulnerable, to be open about it, um, you know, talk about what he's going through. I, I can't help but to think that's going to that's going to help somebody else out there who's dealing with with similar circumstances. Uh, you know, has suffered a, a, a great loss here. And, you know, it's, um, you know, kudos to the Winnipeg Jets organization for getting, you know, getting them down uh, for chartering them a flight so that they could be part of that. I think that's really important. I think that shows a lot of um, character from, from true North and, and, you know, their, you know, mandate of being a family and all those things, those, those, those things go a long way. And I can only imagine what's, you know, weighing on Neil's mind and, and, and other players, not just on the jets, but across the hockey world and, and what they're going through. It's uh, you know, you're, you're kind of trained to, put your feelings aside and, and be focused on the task at hand and, you know, hockey's everything and, every, and whatnot, you know, all those cliches. Um, and then you get reminded pretty quickly on, on it being a game when, when an incident like that happens. And so again, just to reiterate what I said, just, I give a lot of credit to Mike for writing it, certainly to Neil for, for talking about it. And uh, hopefully it, um, hopefully his words are, uh, are, are able to help other people out there and what they might be dealing with. Yeah, and uh, hopefully this couple days will uh, help the healing for uh, him and uh, you know the other guys that were close to uh, close to Johnson. Um, just on the way out, I mean, uh, I know you're going to be uh, you're going to be uh, all over the uh, bomber game. Uh, that's uh, all hands on deck from uh, the free press team when we're uh, getting ready for the uh, big game on Saturday. Yeah, I got my rundown column coming out. I got a f- so I want I got a feature coming out on Zach Kolaris. And um, about his, uh, you watched that quarterbacks documentary? Yeah, like with uh, Mahomes. Yeah, with obviously you watched it. Obviously you watched it. So I just, I just trying to get in the head of Zach Kolaris and and um, you know what 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 you know how much he needs to know before a game, all that kind of stuff. I'm teasing a little bit here, but I don't think anyone's going to catch up on me at this point. Um, got that going and then obviously the game coverage is going to be a, a really exciting game man i'm really happy for for bomber fans i think it's uh it, you know it's just been it's been a, not a long season but it's just you know to get to this point to get that excitement ramped up to see another game at ig field um you know people just smile and i think it's uh you, know, you talk about adam johnson and, and what's going on in the world and whatnot i think any excuse to smile these days is a good one yeah no doubt about it hey um this isn't really a, something to smile about but i should quickly ask you about um uh, another lawsuit related to the uh, 2010 Blackhawks from uh, from a second victim. Um, 
I mean, it's newsworthy that there's another lawsuit. This is not like really new news. I think we knew that there was someone other than Kyle Beach that was victimized uh, by that former coach. But um, uh, is this strictly um, a legal thing at this point? I mean, pretty much everyone from the organization that was involved is no longer there anymore. I mean, uh, what was your reaction to that? And uh, what, what, what did you think? Yeah, my reaction was I wasn't surprised at all. You know, obviously you're not hoping for more more people coming forward or, or more victims, but you know, in my research and my experience, it's very rarely is it a one-off case, um, and 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 as well as timelines, right? Like timelines, everyone's timeline is different. You know, people, you know, I think a lot of you know, I, who knows how many people Brad Aldrich, you know, including on the Blackhawks, were affected by his behavior, but. Um, you know, some people might have looked at Kyle Beach and how he came forward and, and the strength he had is talking for all of them. Right. And then, like I said, timelines are different. People have different triggers in life. You know, sometimes that's having a child of your own. Sometimes that's, um, you know, whatever, just moments in life. You could lose your job or you could, you know, whatever, lose somebody, your parent or something. And, and these feelings come back and that, that can be a trigger to come forward and, and do something or, or say something. Um, again, uh, you know, I, I, my heart breaks for the whole situation and, and, you know, it's sad to see another person come forward, but um, I think it's important too. You know, I think it's important for people to have their say to, to handle it the way they want to handle it. And, and, and in this case, that means filing another lawsuit and holding Brad Aldrich, uh, you know, accountable. Uh, it, it's, you know, you look at the league side of things, you know, um, I don't know. I don't think the Chicago, Black, like you said, there's no one really left or anyone left from that regime. I don't think there's a, another, you know, there's not going to be another investigation coming forward here about it. Um, I'm sure in that investigation um, or other investigations that they probably already knew there were other people, um, you know, but just maybe weren't ready to come forward. So, you know, I, I'm kind of talking in circles now here, but you know, it, it is, you know, again, it's not surprising. It is sad, but it also is important, um, you know, to support that person. You know, I know they're anonymous, but just, you know, know that what they're going through is a very difficult situation and, and all the, all the strength it took to actually get to this point. And, and, and you know, with these cases, um, you're going to need more strength that, that comes, you know, comes with, yeah. uh, you know, going through this process. So yeah, unfortunate, obviously, but, um, you know, um, I mean, I am, I am proud of the player for coming forward and, and speaking his truth. Hammer, always great having you on the program. Cannot wait for what you and the fellas have cooking up uh, daily in the free press as we get closer to 5.30 on Saturday afternoon. Have a good one. We'll catch up soon, pal. Thanks, my friend. Always appreciate being on, and shout out to the commenters. You guys know you make this show. Right on. There's the Hammer at Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter and uh, all of his work you'll be reading in the free press leading up to a big big saturday and uh speaking of saturday the only thing that could have made a bomber jet double header better is the fact that we can now get little brown jug at both the arena and the stadium that is right gang if you're at jet games this year make sure to pop by craft beer corner not only their iconic 1919 flagship brand available but my personal favorite, generic lager as well. Um, and if you're doing the double dip, you can uh, have a couple at the game and then uh, head on down to IG Field. If you're at IG Field, you'll find 1919 in the local beers at the Poutinery locations and the hometown concession stands on both levels and both sides of 
IG Field. And, uh, of course, with the holidays just around the corner, the gift of little brown jugs certainly puts smiles on people's faces. Uh, head on down. Well, anywhere they can, they sell great beer, to be honest with you. But the best place to do it, certainly Brewery and Tap Room, William Avenue. All their great merchandise is there as well. And you can definitely check them online at littlebrownjug.ca. And don't forget, follow them on their social channels for information about some uh, Jets and Bomber watch nights at Little Brown Jug. Will they be bringing the TVs in and uh, showing the games as well? And hey, uh, I got to thank our friends Nick and Nikki DQ for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. And they've got the three DQs, the DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park. They'll take care of all your ice cream cake needs. If you've got a party going on, those delicious stack burgers, obviously blizzards. But speaking of Niverville, they've also just recently opened up the brand new Pita Pit in Niverville. Um, so check out Pita Pit, healthy, fast, delicious, fresh. Um, but they also do great catering. So if you need catering, school lunches, uh, party platters, anything like that, they can get it to you anywhere in the city. Find out more at uh, Niverville at PitaPitMB.ca or at PitaPitNiverville on Insta or on x all right let's get remo back in here um we will get to a little bit of audio from the winnipeg jets jets are practicing as we speak right now in arizona mike mcintyre will join us tomorrow he's been on the entire road trip so we'll set up this finale in st louis tomorrow with the club um but let's quickly hear from uh, scotty arneal um arneal talked about the Adam Lowry line and the dominant performance they had led by the hat trick from Nito Niederreiter Saturday. Because of their hard work, you know, they work so hard, uh, you know, they one they they're real tight with the system and then they put a lot of pressure, uh, you know, on the opposition, especially the defense, big bodies that, uh, you know, that get in there and walk and grind. And then from there, they, you know, take over. Reem, it is pretty amazing, um, the offensive production that this line has had. But, you know, game after game, when you live in the other team's zone uh, and create what they've been creating, results will follow. And, I mean, this is the first time you kind of laid this out at the beginning of the season. I mean, you look at the scoring leaders for the Winnipeg Jets, and you've got seven players separated by one point at the top of that list. And uh, raise your hand if you had Mason Appleton. Tied for the league's uh, tied for the team scoring lead at this point in the season. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely did not have that one. And uh, we've talked about the Jets scoring by committee. Certainly shows that where you have guys from the, you know, uh, like what do we say about line numbers? Like the so-called first line with Shifley and Connor, and then you have Niederreiter and Appleton as well. And this is the graphic money puck tweeted out top lines for expected goals and if you're not familiar with expected goals it basically measures um the percentage measures are you getting uh, more what high danger chances than your opponent and that line ranked what fourth in the league behind some other lines as as well so i mean we talked about how good they've been in terms of uh goals just you want to talk about real goals like goals for and against it was uh, Mike Kelly had the Ken's at, favorite real eight, goals, real goals, eight eight goals on the ice, four at five on five, and one against. And that is, I mean, that's all you really need need to know with that line. But uh, they've been great, and we're looking forward to seeing uh, what they can do as they move forward. In terms of, you know, if you do shake up the lines, I would think that line has to stay 
has stayed together. And here, here's some more uh, Money Puck stuff showing all the lines. Money Puck had that. You see, Mike Kelly had them at eight goals at five on five, but Money Puck has them at seven to one. But there's uh, Ehlers, Nemesikov, Perfetti. They're three, four, three against at five on five. I mean, in, in such short minutes, this Connor, Shafley, Velarde line, you wonder what could have been. They were three, four, zero against at five on a five. But I follow Shafley, Connor. They're two, four, three against at five on five. So that Appleton, Lowry, Niederreiter line, um, I mean, in terms of minutes, they're, they are they are the third, you know, third line at five on five, but they've been absolutely uh, dynamite in terms of goal goals for so and suppressing goals too. So yeah, uh, gone are the days when people in the chat suggest that Adam Lowry's a fourth line center. I will say that he is. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, you can certainly make the the argument that that has been uh, the Jets' best and most important line this season, and uh, they certainly were on Saturday in Glendale. Mason Appleton talked after the game. Uh, obviously a real good vibe in the dressing room after the win. And um, that, that one goal that I described, that great passing, uh, where I don't think Lowry even got an assist on it because he was the fourth guy to touch the puck. Josh Morrissey got involved. Appleton sets up Niederreiter, and the Jets are right back in. And Appleton just talked about the success that their line is having. Yeah, it's been, it's been a blast. Uh, you know, we, we like to go to work together. And... Uh, you know, we've managed to score some some pretty nice goals, obviously, but uh, I think it's it's a lot of simple direct hockey where we can all kind of read off each other, feed off each other. We, we really pride ourselves in you know winning battles and getting first touch on pucks and you know not giving up on any play. So I think uh, you know when those compound, then you uh, you know then then you score you score nice ones, um, you score ugly ones. You know, didn't score a goal more than a foot and a half away from the net tonight. Like that's him just going there and being in the right spot. Uh, you know, I thought our line did a did a really good job and I thought honestly our team overall we we really responded and uh found a way to fight back in that game and hit and then jumped them in the standings yeah certainly a great response after the second goal off that Shifley giveaway and it was that line that was leading the way uh, Appleton sort of expanded a little further on the success that uh, he Nito Niederreiter and Adam Lowry are enjoying right now I think we all read off each other and we all bring a little bit different but at the same time we all uh, we all are good at pretty similar things. I think when we when we work them below, you know, the top of the circles, and you know, win our one on ones, and be strong on the puck in the corner, and get it low to high, and beat guys back to the net, like that. Uh, the Nino Hatcher goal was a product of, you know, Lau's beating his guy to the net and getting a tip on it, and then Nino, you know, getting to the net and just setting it over the goal line. Like it's that's an easy goal to score if you're willing to do the hard things. And I think, uh, like I said, that's what we kind of pride ourselves in. And you know, we're going to we're going to keep building and we're going to keep getting better, I think. It, it sounds so simple, um, but the success of that line is exactly what Appleton said in their first line. They are they, they are coming into every battle expecting that they're going to win. They're playing with a tenacity that um, allows them to do exactly that. And now they're really starting to click and getting uh, rewarded. And and some of the goals, Remus, I mean, like the one that got them back in the game, I mean, that was not your prototypical ugly, dirty goal. I mean, it did, it was culminated by a goal from basically right in the goal mouth in front of the net. But um, they're showing that they've got a few maybe clubs in the bag that people didn't expect before with some of the passing that they've had on goals this season. I actually loved, um, it wasn't the, the Niederreiter goals, but the passing uh, with Mason Appleton's like back pass to Ben and Dillon. On his second goal, that he just absolutely oh, what wi- a shot. wired 
off the post and in. And, yeah, I mean, these guys are passing. They're going to their net. They're keeping their sticks on the ice. Like, Nino just goes to the net, and what Ehlers on the power play uh, just banks it off the stick and in. Um, yeah, the first one, too. Uh, stick on the ice and, you know, close to the net, and you're beating your guy, and you're scoring goals. And, these, and I'm you know, play this, uh, this next, I think the next clip. You know, Mason just talks about how well they're playing, how consistent uh, they've been throughout the season, and I think they do, do need to figure out some stuff on special teams. But at five on five, um, you know they've played you know just as well as any other team. And you and I mentioned you know special teams were was one one on Saturday, so they won the even strength and won the game. Take yeah, it, t- <laughs> take it, yeah, take it. Um, yeah, Appleton. I mean, listen, tied for the league in scoring as we mentioned, seven players at either nine or eight points so far. Very spread out, and uh, Appleton just talked a little bit about this team's scoring depth, uh, as illustrated by the top of the uh, scoring leaders in the club. Yeah, I think uh, you know. Obviously, we've had a lot of guys with with good starts to the year. I think if you look at our entire season, we maybe have four periods of hockey we don't like. I think we've been very consistent. And, you know, for all the people that love the analytics out there, I think if you look at the five on five, uh, we've we've been the better team a lot of nights. Um, Obviously, our power play gets a big one. Our, you know, PK gets a good kill late. Obviously, they got the one with two seconds left there. But, uh, you know, you you clean your specials up a little bit, and then we keep playing the way we are five on five. We're uh, we're a dang good hockey team, and you know, we're going to win a lot of games this year. All right, a lot of confidence from Mason Appleton, and um, yeah, I mean that yeah, that power play goal that went in right at the end of the of uh, the Jet PK was unfortunate, but they did get one back. The power play hadn't been going, and um, they did. Uh, they did, and listen, Mason Appleton has been a big, big part of that five-on-five dominance of the uh, Lowry line, and um, Appleton just commented a little bit about on his personal start to the season being tied for the lead in scoring. Every atmosphere is different when we're on the home run, when we're at home or on the road, like our role can change a tad as a line, yeah. Yeah. but I think, you know, we've, we've spent so much time in the O-zone, so obviously uh, I get to showcase a little bit more, and I think Nino and Adam do as well. Uh, like obviously it's it's a really good league but i pride myself in you know not always scoring and and getting points like i think i can do a lot of other good things to help this team win so that's kind of you know the backbone of my game and then like i said we've been pretty dominant offensively so then you get a you get a showcase a bit more and obviously i think i'm capable of making plays and scoring goals and getting assists so i think uh our line's been our line's been great so far Heck of a start for Mason Appleton and that line. And, um, you know, in some ways, it was almost cruel to Brendan Dillonream for uh, Nino to be the one that put that over the line and have Nino being the hat trick because it was pretty damn close to being Brendan Dillon with the hat trick. And I don't know what the cool bet line on that would have been, but let's just say it would have been a massive, massive number. Um, Dillon had a huge part in the Jets' win on Saturday, and uh, he spoke afterwards and um, talked about how the Jets responded after they went down to nothing. I think for for us and our group, like just understanding, like it's not going to be a Picasso every sixty minutes, and there's going to be some adversity in games. Um, you know, Arizona's playing well; they're a good team. They got lots of skill um, off the rush. You know, they're creating chances. We obviously saw with their with their first goal that um, they've they've got that talent to be able to hurt you. And uh, for for our group to understand what makes us successful, we got to our game there in the second period. Um, you know, special teams. We get a big goal on the power play uh, in the second, and you know, some some huge kills there in, in the. Third 
third, uh, whatever it was, two seconds left on that one in the second. But um, something we can definitely build on. Um, you know, we're 10, 11 games into the season now, but just trying to get uh, get better and better every game. Two goals and an assist, plus two for Brandon Dillon. Um, and what did he have for shots on net? He had three shots on net. Neil Pionk, who I talked about, three shots on net. Pionk was a plus three in that game as well. And Pionk really was playing with a purpose in that game, and it, I think it stood out much more after reading Mike's article of what he had been uh, he had been going through. Um, so we probably won't refer to this as the Brendan Dillon game, uh, but it certainly was the uh, Brendan and Nino show, uh, and Dillon talked about Niederreiter's game as well after the uh, 5-3 win. Well, he's he's just uh, he's a bull. When he gets in on uh, on the offense, you know he's a big body. He knows what his strengths are, and you know that line they forecheck, they they chip pucks in, and it's no recipe. You know that I feel like the other team knows what they're going to do, and those guys still go out there and you know they get the puck, they they spread the zone, and um, I think when that Nino's you know when he's on top of his game, he's shooting pucks, he's a goal scorer, and he's he's going to those dirty areas, and um, you know just happy to see him get some success and, and you know get the bounces like that. All right, so there's Brendan Dillon, one of the stars of the show, and the Jets' comeback win in Arizona to even the road trip at 1-1. One and one. They'll look to come back with four of six points tomorrow in St. Louis. Mike McIntyre will join us on the show for a full report from the road with the Winnipeg Jets. Listen, we'll get to the cool bet lines before we get out of here in a minute. Uh, but, Remo, let's quickly hit on a couple of the big NFL stories before we look at the lines for Monday Night Football. Um, listen, we get to the, the Chiefs game, the the Cowboys, Eagles, Bengals, Bills. Um, but I can't not start with the Josh Dobbs story. Absolutely incredible. A guy that was traded for on Tuesday was scheduled to be the backup quarterback, gets called into action in the game, having never practiced, never taken a snap from the center, never thrown to any of the receivers, and authors an incredible comeback. Uh, the author's an incredible comeback, and the Vikings win their fourth in a row. And uh, I mentioned this to Dusty on the lock shop today. The Vikings' social media is so good. Um, they usually play uh, Kevin O'Connell giving out the game balls in the room afterwards. And the scene of the game balls going out and then the last one going to Josh Dobbs and him being put on the shoulders of his teammates in the locker room was one of the coolest things I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, the stories coming out of this uh, Vikings win with Joshua Dobbs. I mean, they're missing their quarterback, Kirk Cousins. You're missing your top receiver and Justin Jefferson. And for him to come in after being you know, acquired by the team earlier in the week and, as you said, had never thrown to any of these guys, never, what, taken, taken a snap, how they were even able to pull this off. There's video of him practicing, like, the cadence of doing a snap with the O-line on the sidelines and he didn't even know like the players names and as I understand it so Kevin O'Connell like he studied the playbook and he said he was ready especially for that play that they ran uh, for the game-winning touchdown um, he was very familiar with the play I mean had never thrown to the receiver but in he, theory and but he was he knew he had read the playbook and I think what what happened was Kevin O'Connell would tell him the play name, and then in the headset, they went no huddle, and he would basically tell him every scenario. Yeah. Here's the here's here's a couple just some reporting from. Uh, first of all, this is yeah. from Kevin Seifert. Uh, Josh Dobbs didn't take a single rep with the offense in practice. Mm -hmm. Had not taken a snap from Garrett Bradbury. 
had never thrown passes to anyone and didn't know most of their names. Yes. <laughs> it was, that's for next week. Um, when it was time for Dobbs to come into the game, the offense huddled on the sideline and went through the team's five primary cadences. That was the first time he'd gone through it with the rest of the offense. And uh, he said he was not afraid to tell people what he didn't know. Jordan Addison said that meant coming into the huddle and saying, okay, what do I have on this side? And we were telling him, everyone that was, was letting him know. And uh, this was a piece from Alex, uh, Alec Lewis. Josh Dobbs said that Vikings head coach Kevin O'Connell was essentially translating calls and mapping out plays mid-huddle as the play clock was kicking, it was ticking down. KOC called Dobbs' ability to handle it all one of the most impressive things he's seen in his career. Um, just an amazing win for Minnesota. Uh, and to do it after a lot of people thought that that season was over with the really unfortunate um, injury um, to Kirk Cousins. So the Vikes get a big win. Chiefs held on in Frankfurt yesterday morning. Um, 21 early points, no points in the second half. Miami pushing back. But, you know, for all the concern about the Chiefs' offense, which is still top five in the league, it's the Chiefs' defense that is night and day from what it's been at any point in the Mahomes era. And this is a team now, Remus, that can, you know, win in a shootout, but they can also take a high-octane team like Miami and really squeeze them for the better part of 60 minutes. Miami with the team-high seven punts on uh, on the in the game yesterday. Um, and the Dolphins now 0-3 against teams with winning records. So still some questions as to how they can handle with some of the, how they can hang with the big boys in the AFC. Yeah, funny, all those concerns about the Chiefs offense. And sorry, they rank uh, what in the league there? And they like they don't really have a number one wide receiver. I mean, Kelsey's the number one receiver, but you know, got a kind of hodgepodge bunch of guys there. And for Miami, certainly interesting uh, when you mentioned the record against uh, teams, of win- you know, teams with the winning records. Uh, you know, they have this explosive offense that's shown up at times, but uh, what certainly wasn't there yesterday. And but to be honest, I did enjoy us. I mean, this game should be a primetime game. This is two elite teams, and normally uh, I'm anti these Europe games at 9 a.m., but an 8.30 start was pretty incredible, and I did see the ratings for that game in KC. 94% of the households in KC <laughs> were tuned into that one. I mean, what else are you going to do 8.30 a.m. on a Sunday after the time change? Everybody else was at the game. I mean, it was a Chiefs home game in Frankfurt. I had some friends that actually mm-hmm. made the trip over there and were sending me some pictures. It looked like just an amazing atmosphere. But uh, BA and a few people doubting uh, doubting the Chiefs, I will say this. Um, you know what you're going to get, and you know that Patrick Mahomes in the big moments is Patrick Mahomes. But a defense like that at a championship level, um, I think gives me as much optimism as I've had for a Chiefs team in a long time, a team that has won two Super Bowls with uh, with it. For Tanny, for Tanny's in the chat, dropping the Raider logos. Uh, yeah, big win over uh, Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants. Oh. Um, thank God I didn't spend much time watching that game. That was pretty ugly. Uh, I was watching in the late slate, though, that Eagles-Cowboys game, which was... A bizarre game in so many ways. Like, if you're Dallas getting on that plane, you're wondering, how the hell did we lose? I mean, Philly did so many things in the last three, four minutes to let them back in the game and give them opportunity after opportunity, and it just didn't happen. And when you think about falling short by about an 
inch on that fourth down gamble in the fourth quarter that resulted in a turnover on downs and giving the Philly the ball back at the one. And then Dak Prescott inexplicably going out of bounds on the two-point convert, just basically losing track of where he was. Um, those are some big points left on the board, and yet there was Dallas with the ball in the final seconds of the game still in a threat to score a touchdown and win the game. Yeah, I, I was shocked they got that extra chance there at the end. And, I mean, you look at the stats, as I think Dallas, what, outgained? Uh, they outgained the Eagles in terms of total yards, in terms of passing yards, um, you know, didn't throw an interception, and, you know, they still lost. And, you know, some key sacks there, I think, uh, that Dak took at the end. You mentioned stepping out of bounds as well, but uh, it's kind of almost a bit of a head-scratcher where, you know, you have CeeDee Lamb with this all-time performance. Uh, I mean, Dak's throwing three touchdowns, no picks, 374 yards. Like, you think that... You know, CeeDee Lamb's got almost 200 receiving, 191. You think this is the recipe that Dallas needs to win, but somehow they still lost, and uh, there's the Eagles at 8-1, and one. and I think there was some concern for uh, Jalen Hurts. You know, he got hit in the game, and yeah, it was did slow to get up. up, and he's been playing with a knee brace. But, hey, as long as he's in, they definitely uh, have a shot, and you know, not the craziest. I mean, he had 207 passing yards, two touchdowns, no picks, but uh, the ground game for sure helped them with DeAndre Swift. And uh, Hurts using his legs as well. The craziest play was there when they were when they had the ball back with like two minutes left or whatever, and they're just trying to get a first down to to win the game. Handed it off to DeAndre Swift, and Swift got smoked in the head by AJ Brown, who was running motion. And, and, and I said to Dusty earlier today, I mean, if that hit was a defensive player on Swift, he's getting 15 yards for a headshot. Um, like it almost looked like it knocked them out for a moment. They were so fortunate to get on that football. Still ended up punting it, and it still went down to it. Heck of a game. I didn't see first take today, but I will have to go and get back and see what Stephen A. had to say. He's always extra funny when uh, when the Cowboys lose. Um, by the way, hey, we got 164 likes. Uh, we got well over 300 here. We topped over 400. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't. Let's see if we can get that to 200 by the end of the day. I'm um, speaking to the end of the day. I see Winnipeg Walter all fired up in the chat, and he should be. The Bengals are most definitely back. Great. Speaking of defense, great defensive performance, uh, really shutting down Josh Allen and the Bills offense. And I thought the Bills defense played their asses off to keep them in that game. Uh, but Joey Burr is back. As a Chiefs guy, he is the one quarterback that scares the hell out of me more than anybody else who could be on the other side from Patrick Mahomes. And yet, Remus, they're still technically last place in the NFC North, although in a playoff spot right now. Um, the Bengals trending in the right direction after a huge primetime win over the Bills. Wow, that is crazy. Five and three, t- tied with the Steelers, Browns. <laughs> Steelers and Browns. Uh, I mean, how are the Steelers? Doing this, my opinion, it's pretty clear. Has Joe Burrow not healthy to start the season? He had that calf injury in preseason. And now we can actually uh, step up and and push off. Was surprised to see uh, Jamar Chase held to so few yards um, yesterday by the Bills defense, but it was T. Higgins showing some strong hands on a lot of those catches uh, leading the way. And yeah, Joe Burrow. I mean, his record against what the Bills. And the Chiefs, um, you know, two of the top teams, the AFC the last couple of years in playoffs and non-playoffs, been very good. So 
Uh, watch out for Joe Burrow. It appears that, yes, uh, he is back, as everyone uh, has been writing in the chat today. Yeah, no doubt about it. So uh, let's bring, get to the cool bet lines here to uh, finish up. Monday night football this evening, Chargers and Jets. Um, this game had been three and a half. It is now three. And the uh, the Chargers are a three-point favorite at minus 119. Jets at even money at plus 101. Wouldn't mind getting this to actually three and a half, to be honest. I think this is going to be a field goal game. Let's see my favorite bet, the over three and a half field goals. Plus 110. Uh, I Listen, I don't want to call something free money because there's no such thing, but... Let's just say I will be on that, and I will expect to see at least four field goals in this game tonight. Uh, we do have a lock shop uh, partner parlay that we put together uh, today. Uh, Jets plus three and a half. Garrett Wilson, six receptions. And Brees Hall, 20-plus receiving yards. I think we've hit three of the last four on these primetime games. So we'll be getting in on that. And uh, Patty put together his primetime parlay over three and a half field goals. Garrett Wilson, 50 plus yards receiving and Joey Bosa, one sack. That one is at plus 415. Uh, there's four games in the NHL tonight. Blue Jackets and Panthers in sunrise. Panthers minus 226 faves. Blue Jackets plus 190. The Leafs coming off, giving up. A half dozen to the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday night. Leafs minus 152 favorites. Tampa plus 129. Great matchup in Dallas between the Bruins and the Stars. Stars minus 140 faves. Boston plus 119. And in maybe the most interesting matchup of the night, the Oilers get another crack at the Canucks after getting waxed. 8-1 to start the season, and maybe that was some foreshadowing of what was to come for Edmonton. Uh, They have been... Terrible so far this season. Lost at home to Nashville on the weekend. 0-2 against Vancouver on the season. Canucks even money. And the Edmonton Oilers, a slight minus 117 favorite. I don't know why the Oilers are favorites based on what they've done so far this season, but it just seems like you're waiting for this team to break out. Um, uh, as I mentioned to you before talking with Dusty, you can the, the nasty chat was quite live today in Edmonton after another home loss for the Oilers. What an ugly start for a team that most people thought would be contending for the Cup. Yeah, it's not going well uh, for them, Hustle. They're allowing a lot of goals. Uh, Their big guns aren't performing like they have in the past. Definitely a lot of concern there. I don't know, is is Todd Woodcroft, sorry, Jay Woodcroft is uh, on the hot seat there? I mean, were they looking to make an acquisition? But uh, it's pretty clear they they haven't really addressed the defense. They got Ackholm. Uh, not enough, and in terms of depth on forward, not there. And McDavid, is he still banged up since getting tangled with Josh Morrissey? But you look at, I mean, the Oilers, the, not going well in Alberta, has the Oilers in flames. Here's the Oilers, 2-7-1, and one, 5 points in 10 games, minus 14 goal differential. That's... That's pretty bad. And they're playing against Vancouver tonight, who's got the inverse record, 8-2-1, plus 26 goal differential. Now I think part of that is inflated by their 10-1 win last week against San Jose. Who's... Well, and their 8-1 season opening win against these Oilers. Well, that's against Oilers, so that's kind of funny. Um, I'm curious what happens. Do you think the Oilers have to snap out of not going to be this bad throughout the year? And does Vancouver fall back a bit to earth crazy? Um 
know, compared how these teams were last year to what they are now. And it's a lot of the similar rosters. Uh, it, it is. Um, anyways, we had a great chat. If you came in late, great chat with John Shannon talking Jets and then getting his thoughts mm-hmm. on the situations in Edmonton and Calgary, Ottawa and Toronto and whatnot. Uh, again, so those are our cool bet lines today. Don't forget, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST on your first deposit. Hook you up with a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks. Um, folks, don't forget our uh, Movember continues. Um, get on over to winnipegsports.com and click the link or uh, click the link in the description of this video if you can support all our WSTers that are growing Mo's. We'll do a little, we'll get an update from the fellas a little later on this week or about halfway through. Um, and by the way, did you put any more, uh, did you put any more kilometers towards the uh, 60km goal, Reem? Yeah, so we're doing Movember. Uh, the link, if you want to donate, is on our website, winnipegsportstalk.com at the top. And uh, I passed on growing the mustache. I got to do 60 kilometers. I took the weekend off, so I'm going to have to get on it and do some extended uh, runs this week. So link in the description or winnipegsportstalk.com. I see um, Lane Janis. He's also running. But uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the Mo updates. I see Julian in chat, Derek Honer, Derek Schmidt. Julian will have a good one for sure. Uh, Chris uh, Chris Nielsen's done a great job uh, fundraising as well. Shout out to uh, Mike Lindbergh, Stephen Ostash, uh, some nice job, David Asplund as well. Even I think it was Rod Peterson donated to... Uh, David Asplin, who's on the WST team. so Right on, right on. We'll have to get Rod on, talk about these finals maybe mm-hmm. sometime later on this week, see what he's got to cook, uh, say about that. Um, anyways, great show tonight. Enjoy the Monday Nighter, everybody. And uh, make sure to join us tomorrow when we will be all over the latest on the Bombers as they continue their preparation for the West Final. And Mike McIntyre in St. Louis with uh, all the latest news and notes on the Winnipeg Jets from the morning skate and the road trip so far before the Jets drop the puck tomorrow night against the St. Louis Blues. Thanks again to all the sponsors that make this show happen every day. If you haven't already and you're with us on YouTube, hit that thumbs up. Podcast listeners, thanks so much. Tell a friend about WST where they can find us and how they can subscribe. And uh, enjoy the Monday Nighter. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, getting ready for the Jets and Blues. Thanks for hanging with us today, gang. Oh, my God. Shut it down! Let's go Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.